Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host, Honest E, broadcasting live from South Florida with our co-hosts today, my man, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco. Hey, hey, hey. And sitting in for the goat, the real oh. goat, the real goat, in my opinion. Drum roll. The, the man himself, William Cooper. Good morning, guys. Look at that. Giving that oh, extra plug today. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, gentlemen? It's all good. Same Episode old, same 416 old. today. Yeah. Can you imagine? 416. My, my buddy is stuck at home in quarantine for 10 days with COVID. He, he actually... He got the vaccine on Friday of last week, and Saturday he started symptoms. So he thought it was, uh, you know, some kind of issue with the vaccine, but then got a test and he has COVID. So anyway, he's he's quarantined. So he's like, I don't know what to do, man. All this time, I got, I have all this time to stay upstairs and stay away from the kids. And I was like, you got 415 at the time episodes of KMA Talk Radio to catch up on, man. Right. So he, <laughs> he's actually watched a few of them and made That's fun of me hilarious. along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the goat the goat is down with the vid himself. Um, oh man! Luckily, not too serious. Yeah. Just going through your waves yeah. of being sick and feeling better and feeling sick. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny because you know my assistant Marissa. You know, they're they're a couple, and uh, you know she she had gotten it, so he didn't have it, but eventually he got it from her. And I keep asking him, "How's Carmine doing?" He's like, "All he says is stay away from me." Yeah. He said he told me the other day that he was like building barricades to keep them away from him. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, but I know in gold fashion he was like you know, he was still kinda of ready to answer the bell. It sounded like even up until game time. So uh you gotta give the guy credit. He said it goes in waves. He yeah. said like he could later in the day he'll feel better. Like in the middle of the day, and then at the end of the day, it's bad. And the and in the morning, Coop, give me a little bit less uh, volume think, on you. I, I think I we're fixed already. Tell him just oh, a little bit. I think we're fixed now. All right. So, um, but how how frustrating is it that he's gone this long without getting it, and then he gets it now? You know, like well, it's gotta got to be the most frustrating. He got it from Marissa, who got it from somebody. You know, she was training. So I mean. Right. One of those little domino things. Luckily, no one got it really serious where, you know, they get hospitalized. But it's inconvenient. And know? they found it right away. So, they, you know, they, they're quarantining themselves from friends and family and coworkers and all that. But, geez, it just, it just stinks that, like, this, they went this long. Like, look how far you've come. <laughs> yep. 
But yeah. Uh, yeah. are are you going to get vaccinated, Abe, or is that something you don't want to talk about? No, I don't mind talking about it. I mean, my my wife signed us up to get vaccinated, both of us. Okay. Um, let's just say I'm not 100 percent comfortable right at this point getting vaccinated. But I, I was not either. I, I'm yeah. not either. I'm okay. I'm not either. But I'm doing it. Yeah. And now, now that I'm, now that I'm hearing you're supposed to do it every four months, it's like even like okay. And they don't really know, but I figure for now, while it's still well, rampant out there, I'll get it, and then it'll be a game time decision a, afterwards. A couple things just bother me. You know, one is really, I mean, all these, all these, you know, diseases you had going around, and this one you solved in a year. You well, know, they didn't. Yeah, they. I mean, I I agree. I mean, you, came you know, the only here. You know, and then and then you know, just like how COVID in the beginning, the hospital didn't know how to hospitalize people, and people got sick. And hey, look at Alex. He don't get to get vaccinated. But you know, and, and people got sick, and they didn't know how to treat them. I'm almost concerned. It's like the vaccine too. You know, I'm not sure if they got it right right now. But my well, wife and the only thing that the only thing that put me at ease was so I have a few friends that are actually doctors. So I mean, not that they know any more than the researchers, but the the one thing that did put me at ease is, is at least with the Pfizer and the Moderna. They, they every component of those vaccines has been in the works for five to ten years, just not all together. So I'm less concerned that there's some kind of like new thing that they're pumping into us, and next year I'll have a, an extra leg, you know, so, something like that. Unfortunately for me, after 2020, I you don't just, trust anything. I don't yeah. believe anything. I don't believe anything from anybody. No network, no station. If you talk, you're lying. And maybe not knowing, <laughs> hold on, wait, and maybe not knowingly lying. You know, I'm not saying like, you know, they know they're lying, just being fed lies and repeating it. So I don't know, man. I just try not to think about it. I told my wife when that day comes, I'll, I'll make my decision. But, wow, Quentin yeah. throwing wife, out, spitting out games saying the truth. The truth is, Alice couldn't make his top 10 pick for the week. So that's why he's not here today. The Ouch. shit talk is, the shit no, talk he's is ready. He's ready. No, he was ready with that. Don't worry, Coop and I have a much more relevant segment today. Stay well, I don't know if it's relevant, but it's... Uh, damn straight, it's more relevant. We've got people excited about boxing talking about that, as, uh, you know, doing that. We have all really, five, I mean... All five of you are excited about it. No, I'm telling you, we've gotten, we get a lot of feedback throughout the week on that segment. So, uh, I mean, maybe it's the whole top ten concept, but people have actually, you know, come back to me on that, which I haven't, people haven't talked boxing with me in a long time, so... We're going to move stock prices today, Coop. It's it's funny. Coop's Coop's just excited to talk about anything other than the Masters. I almost oh. put my Masters I almost put my Masters hat on for you today, Coop. But I was like, I don't want to give them a free plug. Let, let me tell you something. Living in North Carolina, people think it's like uh, college basketball country and NASCAR, and both are very popular. Golf is like the sport in the cigar lounges here, and it, it, they watch it all year round. So like it's the, Masters, the Masters, man, it's fun. It's it, fun. I don't watch any other golf tournaments. I watch could, the Masters. Could, could you actually, with the exception of Tiger Woods, identify any of these golfers walking down the street? Ricky Fowler, I could. I've seen him here. Uh, Jordan Spieth, I've seen here. I, I, mean, I could all... tell you. Ricky Fowler, maybe I can identify. Jordan Spieth, I couldn't tell you. I could pick out of, out of a crowd, for sure. I mean, he looks like everybody else in Jupiter, but I, mean, I, I would. <laughs> it, it, to no. me, they need some superstars again. When, that, when Tiger's away, that, that sport just is, like, mediocre. There's just these guys don't excite me. I'm gonna get a lot of heat right now. I know it, but when I uh -oh. moved to Florida, I made a statement. I still stand by it. You know, 
you know, when you were young and you played sports, you had the calisthenics, you know, you had to stretch out to prepare yep. yeah. for the game for practice. Right. For me, like golfing was the calisthenics for death. <laughs> you know, you went out, you, you played golf for a few years, and then you moved on to the afterlife. That, yeah. That's kind of how I always looked at golf. Yeah. I never got it. You know, I got to say, though, I never played. And the, the horrific story about my childhood upbringing is that my brother received my grandfather. My mother's father gave my brother paid for private golf lessons for my brother for many years. And when I was born and they saw I had absolutely no athletic ability, he he made a joke. But I guess he was serious later as I got a, an adult like, oh, we don't want to waste that kind of money on you. But so I don't I don't know how to play golf. I mean, I understand the game now as I'm older. But I, I you know, one I of the things I with him, I feel that way every week after KMA. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my wife, I said, my wife works at a big resort here, or she used to work at a big resort here, but we still have connects there. I think one, one summer I'm going to do private golf lessons and just, just, I don't know, especially in my business, if in sales type stuff, like you, that's business is done on the golf course, man. And any reason for me to be athletic and smoke a cigar and drink some bourbon, I, that sounds great. Well, oh, Paul, okay, I don't golf, right? Yeah. But I've gone, but let me tell you, I go to a lot, you know, in business, I understand the whole thing about golf. I'm the guy in the golf cart with the cigars all the time. <laughs> I, I so am, you just I'm sit, that guy. You go with your clients on a golf trip and you just sit in the in the golf cart and don't golf? Um, I usually don't go with clients because, but I usually, we have the internal team events because, again, I'm not a golfer. It doesn't make sense for me to go with clients. But with, with, um, with our internal team building type events, those things I have gone and I'm the guy in the cart. Wow. I mean, I like driving the cart. I, I almost drove one off a cliff once. I do too. I mean, they're fun. They're, they're a lot of fun to do. And, and everyone, you know, I just get to hang out um, for sure. So, I mean, but I, I just have no, I have no, that's about it. yeah, I, I can do that. I'm not good at it, but I can do that. It's it's quick remind everybody here. I won the hit the cart contest last time we went. I could believe that. Dude, it was so lucky. It was really so lucky. We put like, I think, 10 or $20 a man up where we got to hit it first. And I just saw the guy making a quick sweep. It was my turn. I just went up there really quick, man. And I just whacked it. It was a lob ball. It went up. Dude, we went nuts. You thought somebody won the World Series when I hit it. It just like went crazy. It was awesome. It was, that, that For me, that's my hole-in-one in life right there. Here's what I'll say. As much as I'm not a golf fan, I do respect it. It's not an easy sport. I mean, it's not easy to drive the ball 400 plus yards. I mean, Dude, so. it's the only pastime or sport that I know that people who play it are aggravated 90% of the yeah, time. Yeah, right, exactly. 90. 90. 90. Golf clubs in the water, in the lake, cracked in half. I mean, this is their relaxation, you know. You know exactly. And, and really, they're pissed off 90, 95% of the time. I know, but they don't have to be home with their wives, so it's... I yeah. guess if you're weighing that, maybe. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, I mean, there are other things besides uh, daddy daycare and, and you know... Oh! That, what the hell is that supposed to mean, Coop? See, oh, you know, I, we bring you on, and immediately... No, I mean, you just said, me. you know, get, people use it to get out of the house, is what you were saying. Coop so, is I mean, on fire already. I'm right. I'm Saturday. just saying, if you need to get out of that, you don't have to say you're going to play golf. I'm sure there's other things you can come up with. <laughs> Jeez, All right, well, that's true. Now you're acting like a meathead. <laughs> yeah. I know, Chrissy. Chrissy's always on my side. I gotta Not get out of it. She what the fuck you? Not today. No, <laughs> she's, she's saying like she's saying what the fuck like poor Paul DeGracco, I think is what she's saying. I don't think Back so. Back me up. I Back think me so. up. He's begging for help. Back me up, please. 
<laughs> Back me up, please. Are you going to Disney tomorrow? <laughs> Did I put that in the notes like an idiot? It yes, is in I my am. goddamn you were notes. Going, you were going to Disney again? Didn't you just go? I well, yeah, man. But listen, wrong buddy. Yeah. Do you, Thanks, do you drive? Do you, do you drive up for the I'm, day, or do you stay overnight? I'm canceling my trip. Um, what? To uh, to go see Chrissy and Curtis at Executive Cigar Lounge. Uh, no, we don't go up for the day. I used to before I had kids. It's not a bad drive. It's like two hours and ten minutes. But um, no, we'll we'll go up. We're gonna go. So my son Elias turned uh, one this uh, this month. So. Um, we are going to, well, is last your, month. Is your wife having like a birthday month? Because like Bill Rangone's <laughs> having a birthday week. I don't she know. Does, post, she used post, to do that. Not anymore. Who does that? Like Bill's had a post every day about his birthday. I'm like, dude, how long is his birthday? It's like literally. But I guess he's <laughs> here. I don't know. But so your wife does like a 30 day celebration for the No, day. no. We wanted to, we wanted to go because we went for Axel's first birthday and we want to go for Eli's first birthday. It just didn't work out with our scheduling. So, oh, so you're one of these parents that believes that whatever you do for one kid, you have to do for the other. Not necessarily, but we just like going to Disney. So we're going to stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge and, and they're going to wake up in the morning and see the animals. You. It's about you. You That's guys. fine. Yeah. So do you see so so Animal Kingdom Lodge? Do they have like giraffe walking around and stuff like that? You or? wake up in the morning, Coop, and you stand on your balcony, and you see like I'm sipping my coffee in the morning, and I see giraffes and uh, yeah, I thought, so. I thought, and no, I thought that was the case. Yeah, I thought that something like that. Listen, it's freaking just come amazing. To my house in the morning with the kids, it'll feel the same way. <laughs> this morning, it kind of felt like that. I'm not gonna lie so, here. So I'm gonna be in Orlando uh, around Memorial Day, and I got an announcement. I am not going to Disney. <laughs> so I will not be going to Disney. I will be going to you know Corona Cigar. I'll be going to Cigar Hustler. That's where I'm going. And I'll be, when I come down to Florida, I'll be going to smoke. That's what I'm doing on my vacation. Cigar Hustlers up in the Orlando area? It's close. Yeah. Uh, I forget the city they're in. It's not Deltona. Far. Oh, I didn't know Deltona. That. They're Deltona. in Deltona, which is right around where we stay because we rent this okay. house every year in the same place. So you, why don't you stay at Animal Kingdom Lodge? <laughs> because, well, because I like having a, a house I can rent and smoke at. Yeah. Did, now, are you, are you going with the missus? Yes. So oh, nice. I'm gonna nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Miami in South Florida first, and then I'll catch up with the missus in Orlando for that week. Now I want to ask you, Will, since like you're really the veteran out of the three of us here in this room, uh -huh. did you raise your kids equality for all? I, I mean, I don't think we went against the concept of that. But I don't think there was like this program. Hey, we got to have this equality for all concept. No, I mean, you know, they were all treated fairly. I think. However, I, you know, I treat them fairly. I also teach them that it's it's not one for you know all one you know whatever one gets it's for all. Oh I, no, I agree. I I, I purposely do that. do that. I'll be eating yeah. a sandwich sometimes, and one of my kids will come and give me ask me, "Oh, can I have a bite?" I'm, I'm like, "Sure." Then the next one will run up, "Can I have a bite?" I'm like, "Nope." No, right, right. And like, what? You just gave him. Well, that's the way it goes. Sometimes he'll get it. Sometimes you'll get it. Sometimes you'll both get it. Sometimes you'll none get it. Well, no, I I agree with that. I I mean, like, I mean, like, big things. I guess is what what I would talk about. Like, if we do a birthday, a big birthday party for the first birthday, it doesn't have to be the same exact type of thing. But we'd like to do that. I get that from my dad because I remember back when I was when I was in college. My dad's my dad said, well, one, you have to take out loans, and we'll pay it back the same as your brother if you finish and if you finish within a period of time. Did so my, especially a, with financial, at least the criteria and how you had to finish or just, finish? yes, I, yes, no, he did. He did. It had to be at least a 2.0 GPA. 
But I had a three point. I had a three point seven. I had a three point seven, man. But but financial stuff was always fair with my dad. Like I remember, I needed money for a, a new car, and my my dad was like you, Abe. Like he's like. That's when, when, when it was time for me to drive, all my friends had BMWs and, and brand new cars that their oh. parents just bought them. My dad was like, uh, yeah, that's nice. He's like, you can buy our old uh, Grand Voyager from us. <laughs> well, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. All my kids, I'm, that's just, it's the exact same story. I've seen them get BMWs, yep. Mercedes. And, and oh, try, I, living, I, try living in South Florida. Yeah. Oh. And, and I got to say, all, all my kids – they bought their own cars, the exception of my daughter. She was gifted one from my grandfather. That that was the only my my, my, my not my grandfather, my father. But all, but that's right, not from bought, you. So that's. But fine. she would have bought. But she would have bought it. I mean, but but all my my other three boys, they've all bought their own cars. I I, I, was, yeah. I was gifted my first car, right. which was my mother's Chevy Citation. I know half the people are gonna have to Google it to even see what a Chevy Citation. I know what a Citation is. Yeah, yeah. But they they gifted it to me because my mom was gonna get a new car, so. Right. That was the car I got at 16. You know, it was on its last leg. It wasn't much left. I think I got it for a year, and then it, finally the transmission went out. You That's know, kind of how my how my first cars and all then, were. Because it and was then like... my dad took me to Cosine alone to get my real first car. It was a Mercury Cougar. Um, so, of yeah. Of course it was. Yep. At 17, I, it was like, I think it was like a $6,000 used so, car. So, Chicago. Yep. Co-signed the loan for me. Yeah. I made the payments. And then when I went to college, he was nice enough to help with the payments while I was going to school. But right. yeah, I co-signed my first loan. And uh, yeah, so my first first time I borrowed money, like financially, was like at 17. Yeah, I mean, but there's whole little things like my, my kids learn to do, like, like get the car registered, get the car inspected. Of course, you know, get the insurance. Um, the insurance, I mean, they it's they, we pay through me, but they pay me. I, they don't get oh, all do, that. They before. do? They, that no, was one thing for, I did get. I got that for free. But like, I feel like it, for my insurance. I don't understand just throwing this, like you know, like you mentioned a Mercedes or BMW to to someone who's sixteen or seventeen. I I, I mean, look, <laughs> each of my kids have, have had to have, especially my oldest son has had major fender benders too. You know, it's driving's you know a little bit of a precision skill. I I, I just wouldn't start off with something like that either. You know, they say statistically, uh, if you're going to have an accident as a new driver, it happens in the first like six months. Yeah, it, it happened with my my old and my oldest son guilty. has had the worst luck, and he's lucky. Guilty. He's lucky, yeah. I did it in the first six months because I, I was the oldest in my grade, so I was like one of the first people to start driving. So all of a sudden, I was picking everybody up every weekend, and um, we had this thing about trying to get to a White Castle like every weekend, and some for some reason we always got deterred by something. So literally, like uh. for like four or five weeks straight, we never made it to White Castle, and then. Uh, Love it. We, we, yeah, I mean, literally, like, something would happen. We'd chase some car or some group of people we saw or whatever. So we always got distracted. And yeah. then one night one night on the White Castle episode of trying to get to White Castle at, like, probably 1 or in the morning, I just did a blatant Yuli without looking, man, and just car just rammed into the side of us. So, yeah, first I, six months. I, I can't make fun of you. I mean, I've, I've had more accidents than I care to admit. So it just uh, – it well, just probably could have you over the dashboard. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'll tell you this, my kids may not get a car from me, but they'll probably get a car from their grandparents, I'm assuming. But they're not gonna get it from me for sure. Uh, and, and that was one thing that I grew up with. So Yeah, I mean one of my sons bought my, one of my cars. Paul, because you live in Florida. There's there's not like public transportation down here 
or whatever. There wasn't on Long. There's not on Long Island either. The, but listen, I would borrow. I could borrow their car, but if I wanted to, oh yeah, yeah, my yeah. own car. But my yeah. parents also had three vehicles at the time, so I used their cars. But um, and we'll probably do the same thing. I'll keep. I'll keep one of our cars for a longer period of time than I normally would, and let them drive the beater. Listen, that would be fine. Are you, are you kidding? Let me know what Stephanie decides what she's gonna do. <laughs> then, then we'll know what's gonna boys will get and not get. I don't know how we got onto this, but anyway, yeah. Wow, Chrissy is really not on my side today. You have, you have, <laughs> you have definitely. <laughs> Paul, did you? Did your? I mean, I don't mean. My mother and my wife's mother didn't learn how to drive until they were in their thirties in New York because public transportation was so good. Like there wasn't really so, a need for them to drive. So both moved, my grandmothers, yeah, both yeah. my grandmothers drove, and and but I had a lot of friends, like Italian friends, yeah. whose whose mothers didn't drive when I was growing up, but they They'd, later learned to drive as we all got older. But yeah, I knew a lot of, and a lot of grandmothers didn't drive at all. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it was when we moved to Staten Island, when my mom learned how to drive actually, uh, because it, the public transportation wasn't as good there. What I find utterly shocking since I moved to Florida, because you know, when we grew up, like, I mean, listen, half my friends were driving like at 13, 14, stealing the parents' cars, going for spins or whatever, you know, by the time we're 15 and we started driver's ed, half of us already knew how to drive, you know, and, and like, we couldn't wait. It was like um, turning 16 was like turning 21. You know I mean? Everybody started driving. Here yeah, you Florida, get to drive. Here in Florida, they don't care. Huh. I can't tell I you, know like 18, 19 year olds. Oh, we didn't get it. I didn't get yeah. my license yet. It, it, it's mind boggling. Like I'm, I'm shocked. So I don't know if I've ever said this. I think I told you guys, my dad used to own a, uh, a limo company, and he had a lot of sedans yeah. and stuff, right? My wife will attest to this story being true because I've told the story. So when I would date girls, my father would give me one of those cars to drive, like which I wasn't supposed to be insurance-wise, by the way, because that was a big mistake. But he, he was still okay with it, right? <laughs> I don't know why, but he would give me one of those cars to drive based on – because I was driving like a, a, a Pontiac uh, Grand Prix, like uh, 78. But he'd give me one of those nice sedans to drive based on how much he liked the girl. <laughs> and, if and if he didn't like the girl, I did not get one of those cars. I love oh, it. Man. True, true story. True no. story. My wife will, and but my wife got. Uh, I remember uh, my wife. I got the caddy that night. I got the Seville that night uh, when I was dating my wife, and she'll now, tell you that now, story. I got, I got. Now that story took my head on a tangent now because I'm trying to picture Coop dating. You know, so I agree. Do, I'm thinking the same have, thing. Do you have a photo? Of somebody like you dated when you were in high school, you and I her. I have a, a photo of my wife and I. We dated in high school. We split for a while and we got back together a few years later towards the end of college. Oh, that's a pretty cool story. I do, I do have a photo of that. Do you yeah. have any photos of a non-wife photo, or did she burn all those when you got married? Do you keep those? Are you supposed to? Keep I got to see if I have some of those. I I may have a couple. My wife, she wasn't really the should, jealous type, so but I don't want to. We should all dig up photos of girls we dated in high school, but you have to be in the picture. And uh, yeah, okay, that's week. gonna be hard. I, that's I the can, hard I part. Yeah, my, my prom, my prom date, I could, I could do. Yeah, my wife, I, my prom, I, my wife I, and my prom date. My prom photo, and that was yeah. my girlfriend. That was my girlfriend. Uh, I got one of my prom photos. I think we should pull that up. I think it'd be hilarious. I need yeah. to get like real photos. I think because I don't know if I had a digital camera then, but 
I, I, are they going to allow? We like, scanned them. We scanned. My wife scanned a bunch of those. Camera. I got real photos. Your wife, Coop. Your wife. Your wife scanned photos of you and your ex girlfriends into the computer. That's a little weird. Well, not that one, but I mean old <laughs> photos. I, go, I I don't know if there's a lot of those out there, but there wasn't like a lot of those serious relationships where I actually ended up in a photo with a girl. Is what I'll just say. So. Well, you. Uh, went, uh, that sounds suspect. Did you go to both your proms with your wife? We went to my prom. And I, You're I don't older? know why. We're about, we're actually literally the same age. Oh, okay. She's so like you a didn't couple think older Um, she, I think it was the issues. We went to different schools, and the difference was, I think her prom was already had taken place, and she didn't go for whatever uh, reason. So okay. she really wanted to go to a prom, and actually, that's what happened is, uh, we knew each other, and I just said, hey, go to the prom with me. All right, huh. let's let's make that a project for one of the KMA shows. See I, like I don't that. know. I don't know if I'm if like. What about the are the ex girlfriends going to be okay with that? I'm sure there's some. Get out of here! Like like, you know who you are. Where to find you now? Put it up. What do you mean they don't? They don't know who I am. These women troll me on Facebook. They wish no. they were my wife. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> do they like Disney? Okay. Look at this! Look at this castle I live in. I'm, castle. I'm huddled in a corner in my in my 200 square foot bedroom. I'm, Who I'm wouldn't want to sure. live this way? And I'm pretty sure in about another 30 minutes we'll get to see your unmade bed. The unmade bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I recorded that. <laughs> well, that's not on me. I mean, I'm not going to make the bed. Oh my gosh! Look, don't you have the Don't you have the cleaning woman come in? You told me this week you had a, like she... a cleaning woman come in. No, are you saying right, that? Cool. Are you Call saying that making the bed is Stephanie's job? Is that what you're saying? No, I would never say that. That's that's what it sounded like you said. I would never say it. Say it. I'm gonna never sound. I'm gonna sound like that. Clip. <laughs> it ain't my job to make the bed. Oh yeah. Let me ask you a question, Abe. Do you make your bed? I do not. Okay. I, actually, I'm 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 real I'm funny about that. To say it. I'm real funny about that. I do not like an unmade bed. So I mean, I, most of the time, my well, wife makes less. it, but 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 like yeah, on the weekend if she's if she goes out shopping, so hey, I'll make it. And I'm like, so listen, when I was single. I learned to live like efficiently as possible where I like had the least amount of footprint of actually living in a house. So I didn't have to really clean it up and shit. You know, I had the one cup that stayed by the sink. That's the only cup I drank out of rinsed it, turned it. That was my one cup, you know? So the, my bed trick was when the bed was made, I would come home. I'd have a sheet. Cause I, all I need is a little sheet. And I would Parents always says of, this. You have a good union. Yeah. I would sleep on top of the main bed with a sheet, wake up in the morning, Fold the sheet up, throw it in a drawer. My bed was made. That's actually not a bad idea. Oh, See, dude, I don't I, care I was, about a ma- an unmade bed because who's going in my bedroom other than me and my well, wife? And I was single. Kids. I was single. I never knew yeah. who may come home one night. Yeah, that's so, true. So that's I would true. just always sleep on my bed already made. Literally. Let me the ask sheets, you. Let me. The sheets inside, underneath, were always clean. They were never used. I would just lie on top of the comforter, sleep, pull a sheet out of the drawer, sleep in the morning, roll it up, bed, fold, wipe the bed down. I was good to go. Quick, quick question before we before we bring on our guest. When you did you ever not change the seat the sheets between girls? Like if you if you were with one girl, you know, one week and then the next week you were with a different girl. Did you ever just not change the sheets? Are you kidding me? Like half the time I pull the sheets while she was still lying on them and throw them in the water. <laughs> Who would do that? It's so nasty. Sometimes you get caught in a situation where you don't have time. Like, oh my I don't know. Goodness. Don't have time. What are you, back to back? Uh, we don't have no, time. No, I'm not, I'm not claiming that, but 
you know, if a day or two goes by and you go on another date and you're like, oh, we're, all right, sure, yeah, come no, I back. Just want, I just want to understand this. You would frolic in a bed and then leave those sheets. <laughs> frolic? <here>. Yeah, <laughs> frolic in a bed with some strange girl you found. Not strange. I mean, whatever. <laughs> and then you would let those sheets stay there? Yeah, definitely. Until the cleaning lady came. But then again, I, you're also the same guy who doesn't wash his face in the morning. I did not wash my face this morning. That's yeah, I, I don't. It's like the first thing I do. I can't wake up till I go to the sink and wash my face. I don't know how you don't wash your face in the morning. I I don't know. I wa I showered last night before I went to bed, and then Dude, and I woke your body up this secretes stuff while you sleep. You sleep. You Dude, I don't know eyes. what kind of sleep you're doing. My body doesn't secrete stuff. Sure it does. I, <laughs> Well, anyway, we have a uh, we have a guest on the show who has been on the show, but never on like the formal KMA Talk Radio. We we had him on briefly as a guest when we were at Lazona Palooza. I think what two years ago. Yeah, so, it's two years ago. I think it's about time for our meet your maker. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. So big KMA talk radio welcome goes to Justin Andrews from Scandinavian Tobacco slash General Cigars, focusing on the diesel brand, correct? Did I did I get that right, Justin? That's pretty close. You got it throw forged in there somewhere. So my business card is getting longer every day. Do they write all that on your business card for real? God, I hope not. I'm sticking with my old ones, but, but Jesus, it's, yeah. It, it'll be an index card by the time we're all done with it. That's great. Well, that's a good question, though, because Coop and I were talking about this yesterday with Abe during our meeting. So with, with Ford's in there now, how does, it, how does that structure work? So it's, it's Ford's is, is certain brands, and general of certain brands is that, and it's really just the sales departments that are divided. Is that what it is? I was told there was going to be a few softball questions as we started this segment. <laughs> I didn't know we're getting right into the, the hard hitting journalism. I still well, have well, some card comments you... and some sheet comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, that's to, a complicated question. To, to answer your question, no, yeah, it's it's. Forge distributes a, a different section of our portfolio than our general cigar sales rep. So it's, you know, it's tough when you had one rep selling 37 brands to one retailer. Uh, so it's kind of a divide and conquer thing. So it's been, uh, it's an exciting challenge for us, for sure. But I guess in the company, right, the brand managers, right, they don't work specifically with general affords. They're STG, Scandinavian. Like, so that would be your case, correct? That's correct. So, yeah, if you're getting technical with it, I, I technically work for Scandinavian Tobacco Group. But okay. I have brands that are distributed by General Cigar and brands that are distributed by Forged. Got it. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting Justin. Um, <laughs> it's not I'm serious. I had a play. I don't know why. <laughs> Justin must think I'm a really, really bad dude. It's like I saw him at Rocky Patel's party and he came up and he was like, are we good? Yeah, what's wrong with you guys? What's wrong with us? But I know I really had the pleasure of meeting with La Zona Palooza a couple years ago. And I, I got to be honest with you, you know, even back then when you were talking, actually, smoking the war zone. I think that's, uh -huh. what, I think that's what we were talking about at the time. Yep. Um, yeah, that's exactly. I and mean, we were smoking it at the time, too. I was very impressed with 
how you are trying to take a, uh, a part of the culture in this industry and incorporate it into uh, a company that really never really tapped into it. And uh, I, I think you've been doing, you've been doing it successfully, you know, um, uh, and, and I think maybe that's what Forge is trying to get more into. I mean, I'm not sure. I'll be honest with you. Not just myself. A lot of other guys in the industry, you know, like what's going on here. We don't see it. But I like the fact that you're doing projects like Warzone and, and stuff like that to give a little more excitement to what's going on with a lot of the, you know, with, with a bigger, huger company. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's something that uh, that I came to the company with a few years ago. And it was basically an excuse to let me work with some of my friends in the industry. But uh, from a strategic side, I mean, we've got this huge uh, warehouse of tobacco, this extensive tobacco library. And a lot of guys like Eric, you know, he'd never had the chance to work with, with real authentic African Cameroon. And we have a bunch of it. So I was like, you know, this is, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to sit here and understand these guys make some really great cigars. We have some really great tobacco. Let's get together and have some fun. So it's it's been exciting, man. And, and thankfully, I've got I've got a boss who allows me to go do some crazy stuff. And I think after five years with General, they finally got tired of me just you know constantly throwing up these crazy ideas. And they're like, okay, fine, just go just go try it. And they they give me enough rope to hang myself. So uh, we'll see how long I'm around, depending on the success of all these collaborations <laughs> and these crazy ideas I have. <laughs> well, listen. Out of the box is where the best shit happens. That's what I always say. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, yeah, it, and they may not grand slams, but that's where the best shit happens. Right, and and not everything's going to be as successful as Warzone, but man, I want to try. You know, that's the thing. If if you're not trying, you just get complacent, and and I'm not one for just doing things for the sake of doing them. So it's it's exciting. It's challenging. Keeps me interested. Uh, I mean. I've been doing this for a long time now, and uh, it's it's nice to have some new challenges. I mean, our first interact, my first interaction with Justin was like in a in a in a Facebook like uh, banter. We'll call it a banter. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it a banter. That's what we'll say. Well, because I really didn't know Justin. Uh oh. What's uh oh? What do you? Uh -oh. I don't know. What well, because I've seen some of I, your Facebook banters from. Well, the I remember past. this Who one. Knows? I know. I know which one. <laughs> All right. So look. Look. I'm a retailer at heart. That's what I do. That's how I live. I eat, breathe, servicing consumers. Coming even from the grocery industry, anybody who's been to any nice grocery store, you know, part of what you learn or what you do is learn how to merchandise, you know, stack stuff, design stuff, put stuff up so it looks visually appealing. So I made a comment a couple of years ago about um, the new release, which was a great success. I mean, it, I mean, the cigar. You know, I, I didn't think I heard anybody talk bad about it. But, you know, for me as a retailer, especially not just buying from this particular product, but anybody, sometimes I go nuts when I see packaging because I can't merchandise it. I can't put it up anywhere. I can't do it. So I made a comment about the chop suey because of the chopsticks. I'm like, how are you, how are you going to display this? How are you going to put this up? This has to be one of the worst ideas ever because I'm thinking to myself here, I ordered 30 boxes. And how am I, what am I going to do with them? I'm going to lie them all on the floor, one by one, next to each other, because you couldn't stack them because of the chopsticks. And Justin, in defense of his company, came and you know, and we kind of went back and forth. And that was our little, uh, how should we put it, introduction to each other. Is that my cue? Well, no, <laughs> it's not your cue because because you know because we're all in good fun. 
I did a little demonstration. I was trying to, I was trying to prepare something. So we have a little video I made. Oh uh, no! Just <laughs> <laughs> I seen this coming. <laughs> Let's play it. <laughs> it goes on for a long time, so <laughs> yeah, he did a loop. Oh man, that was all in fun, brother. This is an entertaining show. We had to throw it up there, but listen, you were right. It was a successful band. It did great, but like me being the hardcore retailer, I made a statement at the time, and, and we had fun with it. And then we ran into each other in La Zona, and uh, it's all it's all in good nature. No, well, by the way, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And and you weren't wrong. Um, you, <laughs> you were right. I, I get a little stubborn sometimes. It's funny, you know, at, at general, we're kind of like a locker room internally, man. We'll challenge and fight and, and argue. But as soon as we leave the locker room, it's like defend until the death. So sometimes I get caught up in things and I was looking at your post and I was like, well, he's got a point, but hopefully – this thing sells out fast enough to where you don't have that inventory problem. But I will say, hey, you were kind because I think I remember one of the comments. You were like, Justin, I appreciate your passion. This still doesn't solve my inventory issue here. <laughs> like my merchandise. I, I, so. I did. I did notice, though, the year after with the Kung Pao punch release, which was a follow up. You could stack up those Chinese takeout trays. I'm just saying. That's that's right. We had we had Abe's face in our right. conference room, yeah. and we had some of the comments. And I was like, "Guys, how are we, how are we going to solve this?" So. Listen, if, if my if my uh, blunt comments sometimes make something better, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. But look, you you be surprised. Look, I've always said any good manufacturing company should have a seasoned retailer, some working somewhere in their company, because. Some, look, there's a lot of things I'll never understand about what you do, you know, uh, whether it be tobacco growing, production, logistics, whatever it is, because I don't do that every day, you know. And and there's a lot of times I've seen it because I've sat on advisory boards for some manufacturers, you know. They just don't see sometimes the plate of what a day-to-day retailer has got to do or go through or, or sometimes they'll create, especially in the accessory market, they'll create a product like, you know, one of the products I really liked, he said in my office, was the Bugatti guys, you know, who had the little uh, fuel cans. And um, they were showing it to me way before they put it on the market. I'm like, this is cool. I, I kind of like that you have an extra can. I even told him it'd be cool if you did a little marketing campaign, how someone's lighter didn't work, and you could take the can out and pass it to a guy. You could do a little shot and charge it up and put it back in your lighter. But but their packaging looked like basically a vape bo- or an iPhone box. And I'm like, the beauty of your product is not going to be translated anywhere. No one's going to understand it. You know, uh, it's something that needs an explanation. And if you're going to depend on the the people who work the floor all over America to be that interpreter for you, yeah, you're going to have a hard time. So a lot of times they don't realize what we have to go through and the struggle on the, you know, in the retail doors, but um, you know, no, that's a that's a that's a really good point. I, I was fortunate one year they uh, they pulled me over to our sales organization. I got to travel with all of our sales reps, and it really was eye opening to go to these retailers and some like some very simple issues that you, I just wasn't aware of. Like 
the front mark name on the size of the box and how big the font was. I've had retailers that are like, look, when I'm, you know, three rows up and, and 30 boxes deep, it's hard for me to see if this is a Robusto or a Toro if you only have it on the front of the box. Uh, and, and so that's one of those things. So you're, you're right, Abe. I mean, we've got some really good insight from our retail partners. And then you've got some guys that are, you know, it's grab and go. They're, they're, they're just merchants. Whatever. Then you've got actual like aficionados and retailers that are passionate about the product, passionate about how it's displayed. And, and you're right. Sometimes as marketers, we sit in our ivory tower and we come up with these great ideas. And then, you know, Joe, the retailer's like, this is great, but how can I, how can I merchandise this thing? And uh, I've worked with some people before that are like, ah, oh, screw it. They'll figure it out. And then, you know, so we do try to be mindful of that. It, this it is, is I, I've gotten that from a manufacturer. I can't oh, just stack them sideways. Let me stack them <laughs> sideways. I've gotten that comment like this won't work. You want me to order 50 boxes or how am I going to, where am I going to put 50 boxes that won't stack? Well, if you put them sideways and lean something, you, okay. Touch his so. model. Uh, going, going back a little bit though, Justin, uh, before we hit the break, I want to touch on your beginnings because you have kind of a unique story to, to how you got into the business, right? I mean, kind of, kind of like right out of college, you, you kind of jumped into a, a somewhat top position in a, in a smaller company. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, I feel all of us that have been in this industry for a while, we kind of have a, a unique path and even, even from explaining to people what I do for a living, there's never that, Oh, okay. I get it. It's like, you do what cigars? Like how does that's a thing? Um, but so <laughs> yeah, so, to do that. Yeah. So it, it was a unique, uh, unique path. So I come from a, a family of tobacco farmers, cigarette and chewing tobacco farmers in North Carolina and Virginia. So I grew up around tobacco my whole life. I was, I was used to it. Abe, when you were talking earlier about driving at a young age, I remember driving my grandfather's F-150 when I was like 13 years old around the farm, practicing, learning how to, how to drive stick shift. So like that was, that's how I learned how to drive. So when I turned 16, I mean, it was like Christmas morning. I was so excited, you know, ready to go get my license, but I'd been driving for years. So I grew up in that environment. I grew up going to tobacco auctions. I grew up, you know, picking tobacco and never really had any desire to be a part of tobacco. Uh, when I was a little bit older, my grand, my family sold the farms and kind of got out of the business. Um, and, and I went on to pursue other things. And when I came back to college, I was a junior and it was, it was right in the middle of the recession. And I was, uh, you know, looking for work and looking for internships, which back then is kind of like now with COVID, there just wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for young college grads or, or people looking for internships. And, uh, I found a Craigslist ad that said, uh, looking for marketing intern to help start a premium cigar company. I was like, well, I know tobacco. And at that point, it, you know, I, I didn't understand there was a difference between cigarette tobacco and cigar tobacco. So that's why I could do this. So I applied. I think there was like, I was one of like 35 kids that applied, but I took it a step further and kind of put down some, some ideas on paper on my route to market, how I would introduce a new product, some kind of guerrilla marketing tactics. And fortunately, I was the only one that did that. And so I got the the internship. And it's funny, my first project was to basically copy the Rocky Patel retailer list off of his website and put it into a Excel spreadsheet so we could send some samples off to retailers. 
And, and uh, fast forward a few years later, I was, uh, I had 50% equity in the company and uh, was vice president of marketing and uh, was basically running the, our very small micro boutique company. And uh, man, I fell in love with it. Uh, I had been, I graduated in 2010. Uh, Lou hired me full time. And in January of uh, 2011, uh, I went and spent 30 days in Nicaragua. So it was kind of uh, baptism by fire there. So really, really got to see some interesting parts of the industry. And I mean, everything from sweeping the floors to learning how to roll cigars. And, And now, you know, 11 years later, looking back, that experience was invaluable. Uh, it was it was truly helped shape my career. Um, so, yeah, I, little did I know that that would be my only professional job that I've had uh, to date. So it's uh, and obviously now working for General, I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence from a micro boutique. So that's a, that could be a whole other segment of how I had to adjust and, and learn what it was like to actually have some money. <laughs> yeah, but I like the fact that you bring the component of the micro boutique to your new job. I yeah. think it's pretty cool. Well, it helps because we were just, you know, scraping and, and clawing for for everything that we could. And, and you know, 2009, 2010 was kind of pre-boutique boom. Um, we, you know, I think it was us and Roman Craft. There was maybe a few others, but there still wasn't this like abundance of boutique cigar makers. And fortunately for us, we were vertically integrated. Lou's uncle, Gregorio Vasquez, uh, has a cigar factory in Esteli called G&G Cigars. So we had this very, you know, uh, kind of poor man Padron model. We didn't have sales reps. We had very basic packaging, box press Nicaraguan cigars. And within our first three years, we were in about 350 accounts across the country. So it was uh, it was pretty successful to start, especially for two guys who didn't uh, who didn't know what they were doing. Uh-huh. With Lou Rodriguez cigars, I mean, you and Lou really worked hard at events and stuff like that. I, I mean, you know, Seth and I talk about the, the event you did at Havana Phil's, and I can't believe it's 10 years ago. We never saw two guys work so hard on an event, just making people happy, explaining the product. You guys were mixing drinks that night. It was, it's still one of the best events I went to from a very small company. Well, we knew pretty early on we had to have an experience. There had to be, you know, there, we weren't the, the cheapest cigars. And, and there had to be a reason for you to take a chance on this company that you'd never heard of. So from making mojitos to doing weekly raffles, grand prize giveaways. I mean, we were we really set up this whole yeah. like retail event program and, and we were fortunate. I mean, guys like Havana Fills, uh, Havana Mix in Memphis. Uh, I mean, Todd Daly at Good Karma Cigars in Texas. We we were able to get some pockets of strength there and people really enjoyed the events and and Lou being a first generation Cuban and, and a physician at that, we had a unique story and and thankfully the cigars kind of held their own. Um, I, you know, we had inventory issues, but we never had issues for people saying we didn't have a enjoyable smoke. So we had a lot of the 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 ingredients for success. Uh, but at any any time you're you're a small company and it takes a lot of capital to do what you want and to make the cigars that you want. I, I remember a conversation with Gregorio. I said I wanted broadleaf, and he's like, "Well, you sell more of this Habano, we'll buy broadleaf." So it was, it was always, always a challenge for us to, uh, to, to get the tobacco that we wanted and and be innovative. But uh, man, it was a fun six years. It was, it was a good ride. 
Uh, it seems like it was a, an, I mean, obviously a great time for you, but like a, an extremely great learning experience for you. I mean, obviously look where you ended up with that kind of experience. Yeah, and it, sh- it shapes everything that I do today because you just, you know what it takes to, to get things to market and you understand what it's like to, to, you have to connect with each of these consumers. I mean, because it's a choice. We're, we're, we're trying to add value to, to everyone that purchases our cigars. And I try to keep that in mind now, especially that I'm dealing with this, these, you know, mega brands and these, these historic brands that have been around forever. It's, it's still trying to create that connection and that thing that makes our product different and makes it special. So I do, I, I keep those things in mind. And I, I would, I would want to replace that experience uh, with anything, you know, traveling around on the road 200, 250 days a year, uh, <laughs> begging and, and, and pleading to, to get two box orders. Man, it, it really makes, uh, makes things, makes you appreciate the things you have. And, and I laugh when, when people see an Instagram post that I make and they're like, oh, it must be nice. And I'm like, yeah, but you weren't with me when I was driving in July from South Carolina to Georgia, uh, staying at the Fairfield Inn and, and my clothes smelled like, you know, 15 day old cigars. And I'm eating McDonald's <laughs> like yeah. this is this is the good stuff. Now, that's it, uh, that it, was the beginning. It's funny how people make those assumptions because they don't know the road to travel. You know, I think yeah. we get that all the time. People look at our organization, our company, and, and especially if they just met us or just found us. You know, they think, oh, wow, these guys are they don't know when. You know, we were struggling every day and, you know, shuffling whose bills we were going to pay, you know, to make sure that, you know, everybody kept shipping us and, you know, the whole road. I mean, it's most people don't don't uh, realize it. So, yeah, that does happen a lot. We have a couple of Ask KMA questions I want to get to before the break so we don't miss them. Um, First question is this. I think it's kind of a cool question. Oh, my screen just moved, but it was about, and this is kind of good because if you want to plant the seed, now would be a good time to do it, is if you wanted to do a collaboration with somebody you haven't done one to date, who who would be at the top of your list? Oh, great question. Um, fortunately, we've got, uh, we, we're not going public yet with anything, but I've got some really cool collaborations lined up uh, for the rest of this year. But the guys that I that I've looked up to in this industry for a long time, you know, guys like Eric Espinosa, uh, guys like Pete Johnson and, and Dion and Matt Booth, all, all the boutique guys that, that I really aspired uh, to, to grow my small company towards. I mean, these are guys that I really look up to. And even from a factory standpoint, working with El Titan de Bronze on, on the new Cohiba Serie M and, and working with guys like AJ, I've been, I've been pretty fortunate to uh, to work with a lot of the, the guys that I've looked up to for a long time. And there's definitely some guys that, that I still want to work with. And uh, hopefully we can make that happen. You, you don't want to name anybody? Somebody that is nowhere on your radar, that you're not working on anything with? You know, hey, this is somebody I'd like to work with one day. Um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody that, that, I, that I don't know or haven't had communication with. Um, probably at this point, you've probably talked to everybody one way or another. Well, fortunately, you know, sitting in the seat that I am with, with our company, we, we, when we, when we call you, most people usually answer the phone. Um, but I, I can tell you, I mean, I, I'm a big, I smoke everybody's stuff. And I mean, I'm a cigar nerd. I'm, I, I geek out 
And I mean, I, I remember the first time I met Ernesto Correa. I remember the first time I met Jorge Padron. Uh, I remember the first time I met Rocky. Um, and, and even some of the, the guys that I haven't met, guys like Kyle at Warped. I'm a big fan of what he does. Um, hey, he lives in our backyard. I haven't met him, so don't feel bad. Yeah, no, nah, he, he's he's a good dude. I mean, Skip, Skip and I, Skip and I have a lot of fun at each other's expense, but I can't knock what he, what him and Mike Rosales have done. Uh, he's a, he's a great guy, and 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 Andre at Viaje. So, man, it's it's it, if I have it my way, uh, we'll work with more people than uh, than not. So, it's I've got a big list there. I got another KMA question, real quick. This is probably obvious and doesn't need answering, but. They want to know who's better at baseball, you or Eric Espinosa. All I, <laughs> all I know is if Eric Espinosa plays baseball anywhere, like how he plays poker, it's got to be you, Justin. <laughs> he uh, he told me that uh, he was definitely in his prime. He was definitely a better baseball player than uh, than I was. So I, I've heard he's well, a pretty good softball player, no one, too. Wait, no one doubts that that's what Eric would say. Our question is, who do you believe was a better baseball player? My, uh, even though my career was a, was about the the length of a, a Cuban coffee, I think hey, I may, But I you had a career. You had a career. I might have had a little more coffee in my in my cup than Eric did in his. So. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we we have definitely heard stories from Eric about how great a baseball player he was. Nobody's been able to corroborate it. No. You know, Eric's been somewhere and go, bro, bro, come on. You know, I was, I was awesome. Well, that's that's like me. The older I get, the better my stories get. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's fun to, to look back and, and and have some of the stories are larger than, than the reality. <laughs> that does happen. You know, as you get older, and I don't know, it's just me, but not just that, but like even things you thought was awesome, you know, or you thought like a movie or a place you used to eat. That you haven't been to in 20 years, like a movie that you enjoyed getting you, it was one of your face go, and then you make somebody watch like, wow, that movie kind of sucks. <laughs> you ever do that? It, it's funny. I, this just happened to me. So, you know, the new coming to America movie came out on prime and I did not want to watch. I still haven't, I still haven't Awful. watched it. Awful. Right. And that's, Awful. that's why, but growing up, I was, I mean, I was an Eddie Murphy fan. He was from long Island. He was a, a stand up comedian. He did a lot of things I wanted to do. And coming to America was like the epitome of a hilarious movie to me. And, but I, you know, I grew up with it. It's so nostalgic to me. And we were watching it the other night and my wife is like, this is unwatchable. Like I cannot watch this. And I thought in my head, like maybe it's because of when I saw it, like what kind of where I was in my life, that like that kind of thing. Like if you watch it at, at 30 something years old, maybe it doesn't have the same impact. Doesn't have it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, but I watch it now and I still love it. And I quote the whole damn movie throughout the whole thing. But, but she was like, I can't, I, I'm going to go. She had, pro she said, I'm going to go make t-shirts. I got stuff to do. I can't watch this. I, I, so I, that exact thing happened. I've, I've really deterred myself from watching old great movies like that because I don't want that new memory. Right. Because I've been let down. Like I've watched something. I I'm like, uh, no, no, uh, you know, must have been funny <laughs> back then, but it ain't that great now or whatever. I think our standards, what we expect, change. I think the 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 what we the the level of what we think is good goes up and changes as create more creative stuff comes up over time. But no, that's true. The one thing that remains timeless for me, for whatever odd reason, is still the Three Stooges. Oh, that shit's timeless. I don't yeah, think that's absolutely. Not, I don't think I'm ever not going to find them funny. Absolutely. 
I can't remember the last time I watched it, but oh I, I've, been, I've been going through this because I'm making my son watch like all these old cartoons that I used to watch and, and things like that. So, and he finds, especially things, even cartoons from like the forties and the fifties, like the old, the Looney Tunes move uh, uh, shows that were old when I was a kid and, and the old Disney uh, shows he asks, he asks for goofy at night, like the, the old, like how to swim from 1948 or whatever it was made. Like he's like, can I watch how to swim before I go to bed? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. If you want to do those boys any justice, when Stephanie's out of the house, you better play them some Three Stooges. I'll, yeah, I'll put really, it on. Absolutely. Really fun. It and, a, and it's not bad stuff, and I mean, it's not like you don't have to worry Little about it. It's funny Little stuff. Little Rascals is good. Little Rascals is good. Yeah. 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 All right. So listen, we got it. It's at the top of the hour. We're going to take a short little break. We're going to have more with uh, Justin Andrews uh, after uh, our break and our uh, segment sponsored by Avo Cigars. We're going to see uh, how the record spins with Justin Andrews. Justin Andrews, right? Keep it lit. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. With Altadis rich in profound history, it only makes sense to showcase one of their popular cigars after Mr. Henry Clay. Receiving a top 10 spot in Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars, the Henry Clay Warhawk has top-notch construction while boasting with complex flavors. Cloaked in an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper with a Connecticut broadleaf binder and a Nicaraguan Criollo fillers, this medium to full-body smoke has flavor notes of toasted almonds, earth, and a peppery finish that pairs nicely with a lemonade. It is available in three sizes, Corona, Robusto, and Toro. If you're looking for a cigar that has an abundance of flavor and history, then this 95-rated Henry Clay Warhawk is a cigar for you. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. Just you. Who doesn't love a, uh, a shower sip of a good glass of wine? And our friends over at KMAWines.com, they have some great wines from Bonner Private Wines, like this, Sunal, from the winery that's up 8,950 feet in the air, one of the third largest vineyards in the entire world. You know, we work so hard. You gotta relax, you gotta enjoy the finer things in life. A great cigar, a really, really great wine to pair it with, and that's exactly what I'm doing here. So check out KMAWines.com, you get a discount because we know each other, we're buds, we're pals, you get a discount on shipping, you get a discount on products, KMAWines.com, and tell them that Paul and Abe sent you. Uh, I'm going to be late back to the show while I finish this and finish the shower, so see you at KMAWines.com. Yes. Listen, Paul, man, you, I got to really give you credit, man. You take a lot of stuff, but man, you, you, you got, you got balls, man. I got to say that. Don't give him credit. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. When I pitched this idea to Paul, I said, Dude, this guy's going to love doing this. This is because, you know, Paul's always talking about his Broadway and, and, you know, his artistic side. And I'm like, Paul's going to, Paul's going to run with this. He's going to get stupid. He's going to go nuts. He's going to enjoy it. And week after week, we get this lame shit from his bedroom with his unmade bed. Not <laughs> Look how nice. That was good. Who, who did the video, Steph? Yeah, and, and to answer your question, 
Quentin, I actually continued my shower after we filmed. So yeah, I, I was, uh, I was, that was, that was my first nude scene in my life. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Now, now we're talking some creativity. Well done. Sir. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Angelica Perez likes this. All right, well, here we go. I mean, Paul. I mean, it was good. You, good, you could use your shower cap at least, right? <laughs> I said to my wife, I was like, I need like a grandma shower cap. Do you have something? She's got. I got like five shower caps, of course. So I picked the the girliest one possible. The, <laughs> dude, I, I we filmed a couple last night. But I was I was kind of whispering because you know we don't have a giant house yet, and uh, and I didn't want to wake up the kids. But we drank we drank a bottle of wine last night filming a couple of them. So, do you normally shower with your glasses on? <laughs> no, I do not. And it's funny that you mentioned that because somebody said to me the other day because we were talking about I bought a new uh, shaving kit because mine broke, uh, you know, like a buzzer to trim my beard, and they're like, why don't you just do it in the shower? I don't understand. I'm like, I, I don't have glasses. I can't see a damn thing. And I don't really wear contacts anymore. I have them, but I really don't wear them. I'm not going to put contacts in just to go in the shower and shave. So I was looking at like the vacuum ones and that it doesn't, they don't work. I've seen all the reviews on them. But um, anyway, yeah, no, I do not normally shower with my glasses. You're muted, Abe. It was very nice to have you see some creative, finally, input and, and, and put a little bit of pizzazz in that spot. Well, there's a couple more. The wine is good. Listen, I just want to say, like, they're good quality foreign wines. Don't let my uh, my cheese factor stray you from the fact that these are these are really really good foreign wines at great prices. These guys are, are buddies of mine from way back in the day, and and when I brought them to Abe, Abe wanted to try the wines first. I mean, I, of course, isn't isn't part of our deal some like quarterly samples? I think it is actually. I'm gonna have to reach yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke to him the other day, actually. So Listen, yeah, we'll. Paul, Paul gets his big shipment. They goes here. Abe, they sent you two bottles of wine. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows the truth. No, he thinks I, I, he thinks I don't no, know. No, we got. I think we got nine bottles, and I gave you three. Four. Yeah, there Maybe you go. Four. Paul gets the lion's <laughs> share. They're gone. They're gone now. I'm waiting for more. Uh, that Sunal is, is in high demand right now. And it's, it's a true story though, that getting the wine from the vineyard up on the mountain is the hardest part. So they spend more money doing that than they do actually making the wine, but they're, they're Bordeaux, they're true Bordeaux grapes too. That's the other thing I was talking to them about a couple weeks ago that they were brought over from France before, uh, the blight happened in Europe. So technically those are original Bordeaux, uh, vineyard uh vines more so than even the ones in france because the ones in france now are ones that the u.s gave to the european wine industry to save them after they had that huge wipeout back in the 90s i think it was the 90s whenever it was so anyway blah 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 blah. i can't talk about them enough they're great guys kmawines.com all right so now it's time for our guest to be part of as the record spins All right, so every week our uh, good friends over at Avo Cigars, Eddie Guerra, he gave us a list of questions, and uh, we ask our guest a question 
Now, this was picked out random, but I think it actually works really good having you on, especially with your background of how you came up in this industry and what you're trying to do these days. So I'm going to ask you this question, Justin. Now, let's just pretend that Scandinavian Tobacco General Cigars didn't exist. So the company never happened, didn't belong, right? Um, what cigar company would you think you'd be interested in working for or with and why? Oh, great question. Um, hmm. Man. I, I knew uh, we'd get you because there's probably so many options. These are, in your these are actual, these were actual, I mean, we have to plug and check the names, but these are actual questions that are provided for us, uh, you know, by them. And this question just actually fits because you're such a, you know, a guy trying to meld two different cultures together. Right. You know, and I, I think it's great. And if, if, so this is not saying anything about your current employer. We're just saying, who do you see out there as something that you think would tweak your interest and saying, you know what, that could be a company or that could be a person I think I could enjoy working with and doing cool things with. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I, I do tease my boss a lot about, about <laughs> some other companies and, and some of the cool stuff they're doing and, and maybe how I'd be a fit. And, and then he, no. so he so kindly tells me, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll pay your first year salary if they hire you. Just take, <laughs> take, you, off my, take you off my hands. So uh, <laughs> that's a but, good plug. But coming, uh, coming from, from a company, a, a small family owned company, I've always looked at uh, family businesses like like the Fuentes, uh, the Padrones. Um, you know, you, you have to admire what, what those guys are, are doing uh, from from the boutique world. I mean, those guys at Espinosa look like they have a lot of fun. I mean, I, I don't even know if Jack and Hector really, really work that much anymore. They're always having having a having a good a good uh, good time. Um, and as far as innovative stuff, man, I mean. You know, Pete Johnson at Tatawahe has done some great stuff. Uh, you know, Skip, the Roma family. So, uh, you know, those those family-run businesses are are. I keep an eye on them. They they do a lot of great stuff. Um, I'm and speaking of Eddie Guerra, I'm a big fan of Davidoff and and what him and Dylan Austin and and the guys over there do. So, uh, uh, man, I, I can't give you a straight answer because there's there's a lot of companies that. That I admire, even even Drew Estate. I mean, they're, we're kind of in a similar situation with, uh, with with being a bigger company, but they've got a really good culture, and, and JD's is is still rocking and rolling. So uh, those those are a few. If, if I'm in the industry, I'm happy. So uh, I can. Uh, well, let me ask you this: in the last two years, right, maybe nineteen and twenty. Who has caught your attention the most as far as changing and being innovative or doing things, you know, industry-wise? You know, that's, uh, that's a good, that's a really good question. I, I, I tend to focus on more of the boutique guys just to kind of get a pulse of, of what they're doing. Um, I think uh, Robert Holt at Southern Draws done a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, again, I've, I've mentioned Dion with Illusion. I really like what he's doing, and and a few years ago, especially like Robert Caldwell with the Lost and Found, him and Matt Booth, the stuff that they're doing. I what really catches my attention is the outside of the box stuff. Um, even even Alec Bradley with with Alec and Bradley now getting involved, they're doing some really cool stuff pushing the envelope. But I you know I, I kind of bounce back and forth. I'm I'm traditional, 
And I love a lot of these traditional companies that maintain quality and, and they're just like, hey, we're not, you know, we're not launching a new cigar every year. We're staying consistent. But then I also like the gimmicky stuff, too. So I'm, I'm kind of disjointed. I, I, I like a little bit of both. That makes sense. I mean, look, I, I, I think I think if there's one thing that came great out of last year was, I mean, I don't know if it came from last year. I don't know if it started the year before, but it just seems like everybody's kind of become a little bit more innovative and 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 doing cool things. Um, and I think it's good for the culture in general as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially when we're trying to, you know, you've constantly you've got a new generation and and people that are different things appeal to them. You know, we've, it, we're, we're not the industry of where it's single malt scotch and your, your grandfather's smoking a cigar on the porch. I mean, we still have that, but there's, but you have to adjust, you have to adapt. So I think for a cigar, a cigar consumer, there's never been a better time to be in the, into cigars because you've got so many different options. You've got so many companies that aren't just, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. There's, there's limited editions. There's really cool tobacco. So I think this is a really cool time for our industry. And, and there's a lot of great product out there right now. I've kind of been dubbing it the renaissance. It's almost like a little renaissance in our industry that's going on right now. And you've even seen it with, with like pop culture and things like that. Like a lot of these celebrities are smoking cigars. It's becoming more the forefront. And it's, it's almost like we're, we're kind of going back into those days of of everybody needs a little break and, and having a luxury experience, whether that's, you know, bourbon or, or wine or cigars, people are starting to find that little bit of time that that escape for an hour and a half to enjoy a great cigar, a great cocktail. Cool. Well, that is as the record spins brought to you by Avo Cigars. I, so another questions. another successful. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I, I think that. I think it's cool. Like you have a unique opportunity in what you're doing too, Justin, where you can, like you said, like, you know, these guys, they answer your calls when you call them. Um, a lot of people are saying, no, 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 you don't want to work for Eric. But you know, when you said, <laughs> when you said, you're not sure, you're not sure if Jack and Hector are working. I, I think uh, Eric is asking the same question. <laughs> oh. I don't think it's fair. To, I don't think it's fair. I, I, to, and I'm going to get blamed for these questions by Jack. Well, and Hector I don't think it's fair. To put, I, listen, I got. I, I don't think it's fair to put Hector and Jack in the same sentence. <laughs> I, I love those guys. I love, and I love Espinosa cigars. I really do. I, it's it's and and the funny thing to me is that I still meet people, you know, from from where I am from on, on Long Island that still don't know of Espinosa, and it's funny because they're so big in the world that that we live in. So it's, it's kind of cool to like give them a Laranja and just see what their reaction will be. You know, when they smoke that cigar and the, you know, guys that are, you know, in their late forties that are smoking cigars their whole life. And like, how the hell do I not know about this cigar? Because it's one of the things I constantly try to remind my team, right? Cause it's very easy for us to build a little microcosm that we exist in. Right. Right. And, and then we make most of our judgments by what we're seeing on social media. Now, I don't know statistically what the exact number is, and probably Justin's company would have more technical data than, than we would ever know. But like my assumption is probably only 20% of those who consume cigars are really on or active in any fashion as far as yeah. cigars in social media. Right. So you have this huge portion of the country that enjoys cigars, smokes cigars, but haven't, hasn't quite figured out the interactive culture component of it, you know? So 
They're enjoying a product and not really enjoying the lifestyle. My goal in this industry as a retailer is to get more of these people involved in the culture because that's the part I I, I love the most about what we do. So, you know, that, then that's what you forget. So you always get shocked when you go somewhere. How do you not know this brand? How do you not? They're not anywhere where they've been exposed to that brand. Right. Because if their main source of information is the one local cigar shop they go to, and they don't carry that brand, well, this guy's never going to know it. You, you're, you're spot on when, you know, we are the vocal minority when it comes to the lounge lizards, the guys that, you know, uh, follow the blogs and, and follow everything. And, and what I didn't notice until I went to work for General, you don't see the guy that's buying a box of Excalibur number twos every Saturday. You don't see the guy that's buying, you know, three boxes of punch a month because he's not the guy that's going to come sit down and, and talk about, you know, whatever the latest and greatest in cigars is. It's like clockwork. And so for me, it was a huge, uh, you know, exposure and, and enlightenment to see these le legacy brands and these other brands that, that are so successful. Because, again, I was the guy that was sitting in the lounge talking about Espinosa, you know, talking about Tatawahe and, and, and this stuff. So, yeah, it's we're at, we are definitely a small microcosm of the, of the overall consumption uh, in the category. And uh, it's funny, speaking of Espinosa, I, I used to manage the Tarano brand and, and Jack worked for me and, and we worked together and we were, we were always coming up with some cool ideas and trying to get stuff to, to work. And, and uh, some of our ideas didn't make it to market. And then six months later, after Jack has left us to go work for Espinosa, we're making a cigar together. So it's funny how, how, how that stuff works comes uh, full circle. Alan, the fake Alan Ruben coming with hard facts always. 95%. I'm surprised he didn't put a decimal period after it. Of cigar smokers, don't follow companies on social media or read blogs. Well, thank you for giving us the hard <laughs> information, probably gathered by Santa Clara, who you work for. Appreciate it. <laughs> Giving out internal company debt. No, I mean, 95. But, it, but that's the point. Yeah. You know, as cigar guys or geeks or nerds or consumers or whatever label you want to put on it, you know, we always assume that the universe that we exist in is the whole cigar yeah. universe. It's literally like it's just the tip of the iceberg. The rest yeah. of it's all below the water that we don't see. Yeah, Abe, yeah. I can attest to that, you know, and, you know, I can look at the data from Cigar Coop, and I can tell you the, the, the most read articles are from the, the nationally known companies, the tried and true brands, um, not the Facebook cigars. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That makes well, sense. I'm, I'm no Alan Rubin, but but I did read a book uh, a few years ago called, <laughs> Brewing, <laughs> called Brewing, Brewing Up Business uh, about dogfish head uh, brewing. And uh, the, I forget the uh, the owner. It's, it's one of the few books I've read in my life. And uh, he said, you know, the beer market, there was 95% of it was controlled by like Miller Coors and Heiser Bush. But within that 5%, uh, there's a lot of money to be had and, and a lot of beer to be sold. And I think his company did like $95 million that year yeah. uh, in revenue. Yeah, they're they're huge sold. now. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it does kind of put things in perspective in, in any category that there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big pond. And, and even for the small fish, you can, you can still eat and have a lot of fun. That that's the 5% where we try to swim in, you know, that's, it, we realize that and that's how we run our business. So totally a true statement. 
All right. Should we see what's the scoop with Coop this week, Paul? Oh, yeah, Coop I, guess the we, scoop. I guess we're going to actually do uh, do a scoop with Coop, even though he's here, right? Yeah, all right. Why wouldn't we'll we do that? Why wouldn't we? That's what he does. Hold on. I was just trying to kill time before I could get the video. You were buying some right. small wines. That's what you were doing. Hey, guess hey, what time it is. Music. The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. All right. Um, actually, start off with some news. It's uh, not really good news, unfortunately, but this came out on Thursday night. Uh, there was a major fire um, at a farm in Honduras called the La Musica Farm. And uh, that farm grows and cures tobacco for Alec Bradley Tobacco. And unfortunately, uh, there were several curing barns. There were actually three curing barns that were destroyed in the fire that also contained Alec Bradley Tobacco. Um, so Alan Rubin was actually down in Honduras when this happened. They think the cause of the fire was electrical at this time. Uh, as far as the tobacco goes, that was tobacco planned for a crop, uh, like, excuse me, for releases in 2025, 2026. So while there is a loss of tobacco, uh, there is time to recover uh, from that, you know, in terms of growing more. And But, you know, nonetheless, they did lose some tobacco there, some, some significant amount of tobacco. Um, unfortunately, they were not insured for the tobacco, nor could they be insured for tobacco. And I, I guess I could kind of understand or excuse me, for the fires and those curing, but I guess I can understand that. But, but uh, nonetheless, it was not some good news coming out of Honduras this week. Well, yeah. And I, I, I spoke to Alec yesterday because I wanted to mention this to him, this picture that's, that's circulating of, of his dad, of, of Alan with Hugo, the, the owner of the farm. I could just like, it's like the epitome of, of who the real Alan Rubin is, right? Abe, like he's, he's that kind of guy that's, yeah. he's say, I can see what he's saying to him. He's like, don't worry about this. We got this. Yeah. You know, we'll, we're going to help you. Like he just, he's just that kind of guy. And I, I saw that picture the other day and I, I, was, I just commented on it to Alec. I was like, I hope all is well. And the one good thing is nobody got hurt. There, that's there were like, no, hey, there that's were no a, injuries or. Yeah. I, I saw that picture and I, all I saw in my was, I, I told you not to use that outlet. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, listen, actually I talked, I talked with the boys and Alan texted me back, you know, look, Nobody got hurt, which is the most important thing. Yeah. And it's a setback, of course, but not a major blow or, or anything. Right. And, you know, it, these things happen. What, what I don't really understand, because this is a common, I mean, look, this is one of those things. Maybe Justin can give us some insight because this is not my universe. But, yeah. you know, look, I get you can't maybe insure it. I get these places out are in the middle of nowhere. So by the time, you know, somebody notices and actually gets there, you're losing most of whatever is caught on fire. How hard could it be to install some kind of reservoir sprinkler system that would, I mean, I guess maybe the water damage would ruin the tobacco, so it really wouldn't save anything. I don't know. It just it just seems to be such a common problem. That I, I figured some people would figure out how to try to help prevent it or limit it in some way. And it's happened. I mean, we've seen this happen. I mean, it happened to AJ a few years ago, Justin, if you remember. Um he, he lost uh, a curing bar. I remember around, it was like one year around Christmas time. So it, it's not like this is uncommon. It doesn't no. happen every day, but it has happened to, you know, we've heard about. I think, I think it happens annually to somebody. 
you know, Fuente had theirs. It's happened with Fuente a couple times, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, it, it's one of those things we've we've become accustomed to. It is kind of an annual occurrence. And Abe, to your point, uh, there's not a there's not a simple fix to it. Um, there's a couple factors. You know, again, uh, proximity to any help. Uh, by the time you understand what's going on, and by the time the help gets there, it, it's it's pretty much too late in every scenario. More oftentimes than not, it is something to do with electrical and creating something like a, a sprinkler system that, you know, would conceal the fire but not damage the tobacco is is the challenge. Um, but the key is is mostly electrical. And it's unfortunate, but it just it shows, again, kind of the backside of, of what we do. You know, we see the cigars on the shelf with the nice label and the nice box, but it's all this work that goes into getting the, the cigar uh, to that position and and not only curing the tobacco and, and harvesting the tobacco, but maintaining it and trying to avoid things like this, man, it's a huge, I mean, a huge part of our, our process and, and what we do. So it's, man, it just kind of puts things in perspective that, you know, we enjoy these cigars and, and we can be critical of them, but it's, it's a small miracle that these things even happen yeah. uh, when it comes from the process of, of the tobacco to rolling and then getting cigars stateside it's man it's it's something my heart goes out uh, to hugo and those guys because yeah. man it's it's just it's it's devastating yeah it was like i said uh but in good people too they're all good people so that's uh you know makes it harder <laughs> all right turn how about something happy coop yeah so i'll turn this is justin mentioned this earlier uh this at the beginning of the week there was an announcement of a new Cohiba cigar called the Siri M. And uh, what's unique about this Cohiba is it's, just to mention, it's coming out of the El Titan de Bronze factory in Miami. So it's the first Cohiba being made in the U.S. The other interesting, I think, part of this story is uh, Sean Williams, who's the, uh, I would say, the face of Cohiba. He's involved a lot in all aspects of that brand. Sean used to own a company called Premier Mundo Cigars before he came to General. And he did a lot of his blends out of that factory. So this was kind of a homecoming for him to kind of do a project out of this factory. Um, and uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this cigar to see what, what's going to come out about this. So this is a, uh, it's a cigar that features a Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper, a double binder of Nicaraguan tobaccos, and uh, Nicaraguan and Dominican tobacco, uh, tobaccos with a filler. A limited release of 5,000 10-count boxes in a 6x52 Toro. Uh, and, and the packaging really looked nice. It has that fantail cap on it. It just... Um, and, I, and I love the stuff that comes out of El Titan de Bronze. So, again, this is kind of an interesting, like, kind of what you said, Justin. You guys are working with some smaller factories and just showing you guys could be very agile here. Yeah, this was one of the most exciting projects uh, that I've ever worked on uh, in, in my time in the industry. And I've been a big fan of Sandy and, and El Titan for a long time and, and a lot of the cigars that come out of there. Uh, one of the first cigars I smoked out of there was the La Polina Goldie. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Ever since then, man, I've, I've just I've been a, I've been a big fan, and obviously spending a lot of time in Miami uh, and having spent time at the factory with Sandy, um, it was one of the one of the things on my list that I that I wanted to to do. And as I was going through the process of kind of trying to f- figure out what made the most sense and and what cigar you know what we could do out of El Titan that didn't have a, a profile that our cigars out of any one of our factories currently has. And Cohiba just kept popping up. You know, uh, we had the El Credito factory there. 
with Ernie and LaGloria has some ties to Miami, but Cohiba, you know, we, we, we haven't done a whole lot with that brand as far as pushing the envelope uh, outside of our, our, you know, General Cigar and, and STG factories. So I, I was a little nervous because, you know, Cohiba, we're, we're very protective of that brand and Sean is doing a great job. So when I went to my boss and I kind of laid out the the pedigree of, of El Titan and some of the great stuff that they were doing and, and I had smoked a cigar from there that had this amazing Corojo wrapper and we didn't have a Cohiba in the in the portfolio with a Cohiba, with a Corojo wrapper. Obviously, I knew the, the history there between Sean and Sandy and, and, and Willie. And man, it was great. I, I, I pitched it to my boss. We took a trip down to meet Sandy. And if anybody's ever met Sandy, it's hard not to fall in love with her oh, yeah. and, and her passion. And the the really cool thing, the rollers that she has, we, we kept it a secret from them the whole time. They had no idea what they were rolling. And uh, when we went down there and, and finally when the production was, uh, was finished and we showed them the packaging, the pride that, that these these rollers from Cuba in Miami had in, in rolling this Cohiba. I mean, they were they were banging the Chevettas on the on the table. I mean, it was it was I get goosebumps talking about it. It was uh, it was it was truly awesome. And, and for me, obviously, Sean and I have, have been friends for a long time. But to work with Sean with the tobacco and the cigar and and it was just it was a great experience and. I mean, I, I can't brag about the blend enough. So I hope if, if people get the opportunity to uh, to smoke one, I hope you take advantage of it because I can tell you, you will not be disappointed in this cigar. Now, is this going to be a limited run? Like, I mean, is it, it going to be one of those hard to find cigars? It is. It's extremely limited. Um, so I would, uh, I would try to get it while you can. Uh, they'll be trickling into the market here in the, uh, in the coming weeks. But yeah, very very limited production. Yeah, and like I said, Justin, and the other thing I like is you know it really kind of you know the way you guys packaged it, it looks like a you know it goes great alongside those premium Cohibas. So I, I think I think you guys really nailed it with that as well. Yeah, and I wanted to you know I like to be disruptive, and and sometimes uh, my company would probably argue that sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's not. And uh, the reason that I wanted it to be Cohiba. Is because I, I really wanted people to sit back and go, "Wow, we did we didn't expect that to happen." Uh, so I'm I'm excited, and uh, I think it just gives you guys an idea of some of the cool stuff that we're going to do. And I'm just I'm so thankful that I've I've got a company that allows me to go out and and make some of these crazy ideas happen. You know, Justin, I gotta say this though, I didn't know you were behind that project. They left your name off. I mean, <laughs> I gotta be honest. With you. Uh... Well, I mean, I just, I'm just finding this out now. You, I did. I thought you know. I, so I didn't mean not to give you credit. I just didn't know. Well, Coop, I get left out of a lot of things. I know. So I know. Uh, you know, it's funny. We had that. <laughs> we, you know, I did the did the war zone with Espinosa, and and it got number thirteen cigar of the year. Which for me, I mean, doing this eleven years, coming from a little warehouse in Greenville, North Carolina, reading cigar aficionado. I mean, I I would dream of the day of of having a cigar uh, that I made pop on that list. So it was kind of a, man, it was kind of an emotional thing for me to see that. And then the press release, you know, the, the copy comes out and I'm not mentioned. So I'm, I'm used to it now. I, I, I'm just right. going to embrace the, the behind the scenes thing. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, as, as my biggest thing is winning. And, and, you know, I think, uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan said a long time ago, you can get a lot of stuff accomplished if you're not worried about who gets the credit for it. So 
I try to, uh, to, to put my millennial constant need for validation aside and, uh, and just enjoy being part of the process. So, yeah, so Coop, I think you and uh, Hafu occasionally, but I think you're probably the only one who mentions me in uh, press releases these days. Like I said, you weren't left off on purpose. It was just I didn't know that. Because so, <laughs> Justin and I have had this conversation. That's why. I thought Justin would have pinged me saying, hey, Coop, you know, you didn't know. So. No, it's, it's, it's not about me, man. It's, it's, it's about the cigar. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be kind of leading the charge for this whole collaboration initiative and, and utilizing other, other factories and stuff like that. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I think it's an exciting project for you guys, so I'm looking forward to it. Cool. What else you got going on, Coop? All right. Uh, there was news out of Davidoff this week. Uh, the Zeno brand is kind of getting a, a relaunch or a jump start. Again? Uh, again. Um, they God. have announced a new Zeno, um, which is basically it's going to be called Zeno is the name of the brand. So it's just kind of a Zeno brand. It's going to be more of a value price Zeno, and it features all new packaging right now of this. So it's a completely different look for uh, this Zeno. You'll see it has doesn't have the silver and black bands. It has a yellow, more of a yellow band. Like a, is that an image of this ball? I it's on Coop. Uh, I can yes. Yep. You know, you know what's funny, and I'll let you story, but you know that brand for the longest time they tried to make into a brand that this is a brand you should get if you don't have white label. It just never really, I don't know, maybe not just in our part of the country, but it just never really stuck as the you know secondary white label brand. This might be a good pivot for them. It, it um, you know, I think, the, and I've always liked the Zeno cigars that have been produced. They're very good blends. But it's kind of a brand that they don't sporadic. It's not a brand that's it, it's dormant a lot. You know, they kind of come out with maybe it, this is the first new regular production Zeno in ten years. Uh, there's been some limited here and there, but um, they really, like I said, they really haven't. Kind of, like the focus with Davidoff in the last ten years has been the core Davidoff, Camacho, and Avo. So you know, they've had the Zeno brand out there for a while, and the, I've always, like I said, I've always liked the cigars there as well. They they've done some very good blends under there. Yeah, so I'm sorry. You, you have stuff to finish about the Zeno? Um, basically, I think I, co- I kind of covered it. Uh, just blend-wise, it's going to be Ecuadorian wrapper over Nicaraguan binder. And uh, fillers from Honduras, Nicaragua, and the Dominican. Uh, they try to do some other things with Zeno. Like, Zeno goes a little out of the uh, out of the box with Davidoff. So you'll see, like, Honduran tobacco you really don't see in, in a Davidoff brand unless it's Camacho. So, oh, wow. That's yeah. a great warning label. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. They they have that, and they also have fresh packs as well that they're doing. So they're going to try to put these fresh packs into not just premium cigar retailers, but they're going to. They actually said they're going to be aiming some of those fresh packs at the convenience stores, uh, because again, this is going to be a more affordable Zeno. I, I think everything I've seen, it's going to be under eight dollars for these cigars. So, it, yeah, I mean, some of the core Zeno people may not be happy with the packing. This, this, I know some people do really like Zeno, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, um, I just, I've always liked that brand, so I, I want that brand to do well. Anything else, Coop? Zeno's uh, the last call. <laughs> Casey yeah. yeah, I have a couple more stories, depending on how long you want to go with the news. I have two more, but... Um, I'll mention hey, this ahead. next one. Okay. This next one is coming from Mombacho Cigars. And I think if you uh, heard last week, we announced that Claudio Soroy uh, was leaving the company. And he was the guy who was running the uh, Casa Favilli factory in Granada. 
Um, mm-hmm. This week they announced uh, a new, kind of someone who's going to become the general manager of that factory who's going to be uh, running it uh, running it on the ground down there. It's a woman by the name of Indiana Ortez. She's the daughter of uh, cigar maker Omar Ortez. Uh, oh, she did, she's done some projects uh, for Ventura Cigar. Um, she's been working in her father's factory for a while. She's 27 years old. Uh, I've interviewed her. She's really sharp on tobacco. And she's going to be the person now kind of uh, overseeing that factory in Granada. And uh, so that's they, they got someone on the ground there now to do that. So interesting moves continue to happen out of Mombacho Cigars. Omar Ortez made, so I know, some lines for all of this. And, and Syndicato. Yeah, Syndicato yeah. too, right? Uh, I thought he did. I would trust Coop. Um, all right. I can't say no, but I can say I don't. <laughs> I think Casa, Casabella was done by him. Um, maybe maybe there was at one point early on. I, I think I think uh, there, it's coming out of Agonorsa now, but. I don't know. Syndicato. I haven't heard that name in a while. Is oh, it's it's just blazing trails with the news. What I, about I, Affinity Cigars? I have I have I found an article that it's not a, it's it's not a, okay okay. I'm okay. not sure. I'll have to find out, but I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe you know. Maybe he made one of the lines really early on, but I, I don't think so anymore. Okay. But, I mean, I've smoked a lot of Omar Artez's stuff. I mean, he said those Omar Artez, I think he's still got them. Those Omar Artez originals are like $2 cigars, and they're great to smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a good factory. Yeah, so, I mean, she, and I've interviewed her. She's very knowledgeable. She's, she'll admit she's learning a lot because uh, she's only 27 years old. But uh, I think it's, you know, Casa Favoli is not a huge factory either. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a factory that's in Granada. It's not in Esteli, so she's relocating there. Uh, but I think it's a great opportunity for her, and I think you know they needed someone on the ground who you know who maybe can grow, and I think that's a great great role for her to go into. And what's your last story, Coop? Oh, this one's for Abe. Uh, so uh, Abe, I don't know if you saw this story. If I don't know, a lot of people did see this story. United Cigars this week announced uh, they're releasing an NFT cigar. So have you heard of NFT, Abe? <laughs> I know, I I I because this is all related to that cryptocurrency and the, NFT stands for non fungible tokens. So these aren't actually cigars they're releasing; <laughs> they're concepts. Oh. All right, so finish your story. I hope. <laughs> so what they're doing is like it's kind of analogous to concept cars that they do at like car shows. Is they come out with these concept cigar uh, concept cars, and they're not really something that's been produced yet. So they've come out with a concept cigar called the Atabay Black, and that's uh, a Maduro version of the Atabay, but they're not actually making the cigar. They're actually producing digital artwork that you can buy for some sort of a price, um, and you can, be, you can have the honor of owning the original artwork for these digital cigars right, right now. So this is, these NFTs are more of the rage. I can't say I have my arm around like, why people would do this, but apparently there is a market for this. That's happened, and people are interested in. My guys are buying digital horses. Yeah, as an investment. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Did you? I, so there you go. That's a good analogy. I didn't realize this was a big thing until like this week. I, I just remember Abe. The, the we had the cryptocurrency guy. I was on the studio that day. That was one of Abe's legendary performances on a show. He was so he hung. He, yeah, he hung up. up the show. I he hung up. up. Yeah, it was. I might just hang up on this guy. <laughs> he, wouldn't answer, he wouldn't answer a question. 
<laughs> I remember I'm trying to ask him a question and he keeps dodging it in this whole dissertation about something else. Like, why don't you just answer the question I keep asking you? I can't I can't believe that people are, are gonna pay. Do you know what they're selling this for? The digital art? Yeah. A a thousand dollars a box and they also have individual artwork that is prorated uh, for an individual cigar. So, yeah, I don't so, understand. Yeah, what are you bro, What are you buying? Wait, I just like, want to get this straight. United Tobacco is selling to consumers art of a cigar that doesn't exist and to own this art that once I get, I can do whatever I want with. I can give it to 20 of my friends. They're charging $1,000. Now, what they're doing, yeah. But what they're doing is they're, the profits are going to Cigar Rights of the World. So it's not like they're trying to make it a moneymaker. But I think what they're trying to do here, Abe, is I believe there's a marketing play at this, too. Uh, the, it's giving yeah, them the Bay Maduro will come out. Yeah, that factory in Costa Rica. They mentioned that the, the cigar technically conceptually going to have an Ecuadorian Maduro wrapper. I know that, that factory in Costa Rica works a lot with that wrapper. So it kind of makes some sense. They're, they're going to create interest and buzz to get. Atabay's got a very good following. And... They're creating some interest and buzz to do that, uh, and it's kind of a creative way to do it. I don't know in the end if they're going to sell these these artworks or not. That's that's a big question. I can't I can't. I want to I want to personally meet the people who buy this shit. If anybody knows anybody that would buy something like this, please send us their Facebook page contact. I want to have them on the show. Info info at kmatalkradio.com. They can. I just want to meet the type of person. That even if you buy a digital horse that you're going to race as an investment, they sent me an image of a horse called Honest Abe. They wanted me to buy it. I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I, I love this segment because this is exactly how it went when uh, I tried to explain some of this to uh, an older generation uh, in, in my company. It's uh, one of the things, Abe, I think, so if you look at like the virtual world, uh, so a lot of it now, can you guys hear that in the background? I'm sorry. We've got some... Uh, it's the landscapers. They do it to me all the time. Man, I'm having some some remodeling done on my house, oh, and okay. I told the guys not to show up till 12, but they're, they're sawing. So this, you know, this is what they're happens. Go, they're go-getters. Are they, yeah. are they building the new West Wing? <laughs> the Andrew. Is, yeah, more, more of the, the, the West uh, 100 square feet I've got. Justin, there. you're going to tell me you like this idea. No, I, 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 I thought he was. Okay. No, no, Me but I, but I, you know, the thing, it's all the rates. So if you look at like Gary Vaynerchuk and Elon Musk and these guys, they're talking about it. Artists have done it with albums. Uh, artists have done it with, with their artwork. I think I saw one sold the other day for a couple million dollars. But basically, you have the rights to this in this virtual world, almost like a cryptocurrency. So the, I think the simplest way I can explain it is, you know, you've got guys that play PlayStation, Xbox, and you're you're playing this, you know, Modern Warfare or NBA 2K, and you can purchase something virtually that only your character will have within that virtual world. I don't know how they're – I'm really interested to see how they make this practical uh, with a cigar because I, I, I was sitting back a few months ago going, there's no way we can do this with a with a cigar, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it's – Basically, if, if you have a character in this virtual world, you can have the exclusive rights to a horse, to a pair of sneakers, Look, to something. I'm just going to say. But where this. does this cigar live in the virtual world? Does it live as part of a network of people that have these these virtual things? 
I, I, I think if, if somehow we, we develop into some type of virtual cigar world and community, whoever has the, the Atabay might be the kind of the, the, the king of the block there for a little while. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I was just going to I was this just going to say the same thing. Talking about. Look, look, listen to me. I, I I'm I'm flabbergasted that <laughs> that this is even a possibility because I, look, I, I even told my guys. I said, look, there are twelve guys in the room laughing their asses off. All right, because they're the guys that make all the money. All right, everybody else is the food for the up chain in these. Stupid ideas. I just don't know how you're going to buy a horse virtually and then pay. He's telling me these horses sell five, ten, fifty thousand dollars. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I mean, and, and that was the funny thing is, I was told when I spoke to someone who knows about this, I said they're only selling them for a thousand dollars. It's like not that much. I'm like, what? A thousand dollars? Hold up, yeah, for that box image, yeah. That we now, just, now, now hold on, I just want, I just want to clarify this. They paid a thousand dollars for the image that Paul just put up on the screen for free. <laughs> they gave us the yeah, image I, in the I, press I, release. I they gave I, us I, the image in the press release. I mean, am I am I confused? Am I just totally missing something? They, I mean, they may be getting technically the the ultra digital file. I mean, that's, I can't see more so, than that. So when the when they release the cigar, Coop will have to pay the guy for the rights to show the image on on cigar yeah. Coop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, yeah. I do know, not understand there, it. There are times where I'm kind of almost glad that death will eventually be on my door. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first thing when I saw this was like, I, I'm going to talk about this with Abe on KMA because uh, I know, I knew from that that when we had the cryptocurrency guy I mean, on. Look, look, let me tell you something. I, you know, look, in my whole career, we've never sold paraphernalia in my stores. Just. You know, and you can make a lot of money selling paraphernalia and, and stuff like that. You know, there's just certain things you're not interested in making money on, you know. I, I, I'm never going to get into this. I don't care how po popular it gets, you know, or whatever. This is some psychotic stuff. There's nothing tangible here. You got some picture? I, mean, I, I don't get it. Somebody, yeah, Alan, Alan Rubin, why don't you explain it to me? Because you know everything. How much? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get yeah. it. I'm like, a, I'm like afraid. Like, I don't want to know because I don't want to fall into this world. Like, I, I feel dirty talking about this. Like, How can you fall into this world? It makes absolutely it. no sense. I mean, I'll take $1,000 from somebody. If you want that image, I'll sell it to you. I got it right here. I this have it downloaded. This is what I'm saying. If you don't think, like, I mean, I'm not saying with the Atabase cigar, but these guys who are selling digital horses or whatever the hell they're saying, if you don't think there's 12 guys in a room somewhere laughing their freaking asses off as you're buying mansions and shit, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Let me ask well, you this question, though. Let me ask this. I, I, asked, I talked to Aaron about this on the show Thursday. Imagine if Steve Saka did this, though. I, I think it would be a difference. I can see people, like, saying, take my money. I did what see happened? where Steve Saka did comment on yeah. this on, on, on Facebook. It, it, he there's, was no saying, Steve, there's no way Steve Saka thought this was a good idea. It, 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 wasn't saying, it wasn't positive. And Abe, I think he said something close to you, like, well, it, at least I know I won't be around long enough to see Seriously. this. this become but a, but if, he did a it, if he did it, I guarantee you there will be people who want it. Like, I got to get this. I guarantee you if he did it. <laughs> I don't know. We are talking about Atabay, though, so they, they're... Look, he's got people... What I look at is, is, look, they're they're putting out there that we may do this Atabay Maduro, so 
it's kind of giving them some buzz with that because I think there's a like I said, Adebay's got a pretty loyal following. Uh, I'm serious. Loyal. If anybody, I'll, I'll give you a fifty dollar gift certificate. If someone finds me somebody to get on this show who pays a thousand dollars for this, I, I just I need to talk to somebody. Well, well I don't I, I don't want well, a virtual horse until I can bet on it and then right. and, and it's, listen to me. That's what they're doing. So I'm, I'm saying yeah, they do it. Right. You're buying a horse that you're going to race and try to race for money. It's controlled by some programming dudes. I don't even like to bet on a jockey because I think they're not <laughs> sure eating. You tell me you think this is a good idea? It, well, it's I, me. I did see you can use Dogcoin to buy Teslas now. So and, and at least there's some some currency there. I I researched this last night, Abe. When you when you posted, when I saw that you posted that Italo lost another bet with you, and you were like, "This is from the guy that buys a virtual horse." So I looked it up because I like I don't even understand like how it works. So apparently, like there's over a hundred thousand types of of breeds of horses that that could be created, and it's all random what your horse will be and then you can sell your horse and he races then you got to pay fees if you want him to go into the championship rounds where you can make money off of your horse i mean it's it's unbelievable dude <laughs> it's a rabbit it's a rabbit hole and and there's no nobody in their right mind should be investing in this but it looked like somebody had a horse named honest abe i think scotty has a horse scotty a virtual horse. horse named honest abe he's like you should buy this get the fuck out of here my my only hope with this is that somehow Abe gets sucked into this, like no way. reluctantly, I and he hates it. every minute of it. But yet, there's oh, this is If Honest Abe happen. starts winning races, like <laughs> it's not happening, brother. No way. <laughs> man, this Lillian Indris. I keep blocking her, but she keeps managing to penetrate our Facebook. I I got it. I I have to I have to do it. Yeah, I, she's, I, she's I did it. It's some bot, but she she did it last week. I can I can do I have more control over it here, Abe, for both. Shut her ass so up. I, I just did. I just did. Annoying. <laughs> she was just she was just blocked again, so it it should be good. But oh my god. Woo! Actually, you know what? I'm gonna reach out to her. She'd be a good client for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. Is that uh, is that is that the news, Paul? That I, Paul, I think it. that is the news. That, that is your well. that is your KMA news for this week. Holy cow. All right. Thank you, Coop. Woo! Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Got, so, I, lo I love when Abe gets uh, heated. Oh man. I mean, My just cheeks are hurting from laughing. Ridiculousness. So. <laughs> how how much more ridiculous can stuff get? I'm telling you. <laughs> Anyways, um, Coop and I have, since, since the goat's not here, Coop and I have done a, uh, um, a backup segment instead of Tales of the Tape, uh, or it's going to be Tales of the Tape for a different kind of segment. I don't think we have a different intro for it. We don't, but we can play the intro. Right, but I'm, I want to prep it now since people don't know what it is, because I'm only going to, when you're done with the intro, I'm only going to have, we're only going to have 90 seconds, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but you got to uh, remember, you got to unmute yourself immediately. I got it. I'm a professional. <laughs> so, um, what Coop and I did was to keep the details of the tape segment going, and I actually will not do anything about boxing because I am nowhere near knowledgeable as Coop and the Goat. Um, 
we did a challenge on the best frozen pizza. Here you go. Kill the tape. Coming up. All right. Honest Abe here. My favorite frozen pizza, I've got to go with a homegrown, is Home Run Inn Pizza. Home Run Inn is a restaurant chain known for their style of pizza as well as frozen pizza. They're headquartered in Woodridge, Illinois. In 1923, Mary Vincent Gritani owned a small tavern in Chicago, and when a home run from a nearby baseball game was hit through the tavern's window, they decided to rename it to Home Run Inn Pizza. In the 40s, she developed the pizza recipe that is still being used today. They have nine locations in Chicago and two plants. Their pizza is distributed in 30 states, so it's not everywhere, but you can get it on Amazon. It's distributed in 30 states, and it was rated the number one frozen pizza in August of 2013 by Consumer Reports. Now, it's a richer pie with a crisp crust, which I love. Um, it's got a great sauce, but for me, the gold is their unique crust. Made with all natural ingredients, real cheese contains no preservatives. Now, it's a little pricey for a frozen pizza, and you're probably going to pay a little bit for the historic name, but in my opinion, it's worth it. Not for everybody, but this is my top frozen pizza. And the president himself, David Portnoy, rates it top three of his favorite frozen pies. And I know that's because, you know, his crust, he likes a much different type of crust. But that's my frozen pizza. Coop, I used all 90 seconds, so we'll let the bell ring out and you can do your 90 seconds. I wasn't prepped for how long to talk. But go ahead. No no problem. I haven't had that one, but uh, I my pick was a screaming Sicilian pizza. Uh, maybe you've had it. I so look. Here's the deal with frozen pizza. Um, you remember frozen pizzas? You go back 30 years ago, they were terrible, right? But they've they've really improved on the crust with that. So a lot of these these frozen pizzas that are the top ones, they just have better crusts right now. Um, I think the difference with screaming Sicilian pizza is they 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 have a great crust. It's it's a butter. It's like one of those butter style crusts that they have on there. Uh, but the, the toppings that they put on there are incredible. I mean, you just, you, like their holy pepperoni pizza, tons of pepperoni they put on it, you know. So there's tons of toppings. The toppings are really, really good. Um, the cheese that they use is excellent. Um, and, you know, I'm a guy who likes Brooklyn-style pizza, so when it's frozen pizza, I don't necessarily look for a thin crust. This is kind of, you know, it's a little more of a pan-style crust. Um, it's not a Sicilian pizza, though. That's the only catch. It's not a square Sicilian pizza. But I tell you... Um, we we've bought those and it's it's definitely my my favorite frozen pizza out there. Um, Paul hadn't heard of it, which I was surprised about because it's it's very popular. It's in public, here. Paul. I've never heard of it. I've heard I was of worried. It. I was worried. I was picking something too obscure. I'm glad you heard of it. No, I definitely heard of it, and I agree with Chrissy Critchfield. The reason why I haven't bought it is the packaging is a little creepy on that. Thank God. It's, thank you. I think it's offensive. As it's just a little creepy. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't lure me in. So I've never tried it, but I have, I have heard good things about it. Now, home run pizza is rated always very well uh, as far as frozen pizza. But like I said, like my wife doesn't care for it. You know, it's one of those things you, you either love that crust because it's a unique crust. Um, it's, it's, thicker than normal but it's very crispy and then like yeah. soft in the middle it's got a really unique crust so either you really love it and it's like the best pizza you ever had or it's something you not care for and it really just comes down to the crust the toppings are fresh they make them all like i said they don't use any preservatives in their plants and they ship them all over the country so it's yeah. one of, if you haven't tried it and any of you guys do try it or get some uh screaming sicilian or home run in pizza comment on kma let's see uh which one fares out better
Yeah, that was a good pick. <laughs> yeah, the one thing yeah, I'll say about the go. packaging, let me say one thing about the packaging and the screen. I get what you're saying on that, the kind of the creepy aspect, but I do like how they have the window that kind of shows a little bit of the pizza kind of in that guy's In the teeth. dude's mouth with teeth. Yeah. Weird. And it's kind of like why, like, I always say I don't like craft paper bundles on cigars because you can't see the cigars. Um, sometimes with the frozen pizza box, the same thing. I really want to see what the what it looks like under the covers, and at least with this, I can kind of look at it and see what the frozen pizza is. I don't on know, there. man. Coop, as an Italian, you're not offended by that. You you can stereotype Italians, and it's okay. Any what, other you, ethnicity, it's a problem. What, what were you offended by the Sopranos? Uh, no, because well, but, but, but there were a lot of people who were. There were a lot of people who were. Though. Yeah, I'm just saying. But we talked about this. They showed both worlds and both sides. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Listen, you guys are the only people. When I when I have a frozen pizza, I'll I'll have like uh, pizza bagels or whatever is in the because I'm not looking Ew. for real pizza. It's Ew. not real pizza. Ew. No frozen well, pizza is pizza. To pizza me. rolls. You know, it, it's not, and I don't think you should try to compare it to that. But but it is. A, it's a different. I think it's just a whole different animal. You look. That's how I look at it. The way I look at home yeah. running pizza, it's something I would enjoy. Like I would enjoy some pizza going out. It's not my backup. I actually enjoy eating that home running pizza. I, I gotta it, try it. And if you're in South Florida, I, I don't know if you're one of the states it's in, but I know Amazon sells. I know you can get it in the mail. Comes frozen, but if you're in South Florida, Publix does carry home run in pizza. It's one. Well, of the hold favorite. on, let me just ask you this, Abe. If you're in the mood for pizza and you have an opportunity to have like the real Grimaldi's from Brooklyn or have that, like would you, like you consider them the same thing? Like no, real pizza no. And not I, I remember, okay. if 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 I'm eating that home run in pizza. Is I I see it like I'm eating a different food entity. That's what yeah, I was. Yeah, okay, that's for. okay. I'm not. Right. If I want real pizza, I go for real pizza. But sometimes, man, right. I haven't had a home. Sometimes I'll be drunk going through. I haven't had a home run pizza like in a year or two. I'm gonna take one or two, two of these home and cook them up because that's what I want. <laughs> All right. I mean, now, I, guess, you, I, I mean, I make pizza at home. I throw the dough up and we do it with the kids. We make a big, you know, fiesta. I've seen your so, I like having pizza, but uh, let's make digital pizza. There you go. Oh, no. Place. You can buy your own pizza. It'll be like yours exclusively. exclusively. You have the rights to it digitally. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Cavelli, you better, Alex, listen, man. You better go uh, uh, copyright that right this second, right right now, you man. Can, uh, you can listen, enjoy your. We can guarantee you the fastest delivery ever. You can enjoy your virtual pizza and then have a virtual cigar afterwards. And, uh, <laughs> be a virtual set. glass of wine. What is Bonner Wines doing? We'll do virtual wine. Forget about shipping. Man, virtual pairings. Yeah, if we had the technology, I'd totally like start making you do like a virtual Bonner's Wines commercial. <laughs> All right, we're coming up to your end here. Thanks for participating in that. That was my idea. It was one of the things yeah. I was actually kind of versed enough to talk about. So thanks, <laughs> Good job. Uh, Good job, babe. Uh, it's time to close out the show and let's see who this week belongs in a Cigar Insane Asylum. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week... I really got to lose weight. I'm so much thinner in that picture. <laughs> this week, we're going to see who belongs in a cigar. Insane Asylum, I have not pre-read this, so... Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, let's see. This week's inductees, more than one. We're just trying to take part in something special. 
The art piece by an American graffiti artist showcased in South Korea was damaged by a couple in their 20s who thought the sets of paint and brushes laid out in front of the artwork were for spectators' use. Yep. Staff at the gallery exposition noticed a noticed new brush strokes on the piece after checking the security camera. Two suspects were taken by police for investigation. According to museum officials, the graffiti was not framed due to its large size. The vandalized art was 22.9 by 7.8 feet and was the only piece in the exposition in the exhibition without frames and displayed in conjunction with the paint and brushes used by the artist as part of the exhibit. The props were part of the exhibition to help highlight the history of the artist's work. The damaged art piece by artist Jean Wan <laughs> is worth about $440,000, according to the museum. Now, is this the damaged art piece, or is this the how it was... Wow, this is actually, a damaged art piece. I have a zoomed-in version of it. Hold on, I'm it, putting. It I'm looks like they bought the chain to do it. I mean, how stupid can you be? Oh, I, so I was about to say, how can you tell if it's damaged or not? So those so those three brushstrokes, the the greenish black, that's that's what was added to the piece. Wow. That's I think it gives a character. Uh, since the accidental painting, the agency in charge of the exhibition has provided additional guidelines for spectators and increased the surveillance around the work to prevent such misunderstandings from taking place. Again, basically, when you go to a museum, don't start painting. Congratulations, artist couple. You are this week's inductee into the Cigar Insane Asylum. Holy cow. I, I agree with Casey. I think it's more valuable now. Yeah. <laughs> You could do a, maybe they could do a uh, NFT version of it. I mean, I mean, really? How can they consider that damaging the art? <laughs> I'm not going to touch this. But but who goes into a museum thinking that they can paint on the canvas? Hold on. Maybe they thought that was okay. Okay, hold on. In their defense, I could totally see that that being part of an exhibit where they had brushes and everybody got to walk up, grab a can, add their stroke because that's what that wall looks like. You know. But they did have a chain thing in front of it. Who's yeah. going beyond the chains to do that? If it was wide open, I have zero issue with what they did. But they literally had to pass a chain. Yeah. Or that chain, you know what? Hold on. That chain could have been added after they did it. Because the chain is up with the, with the mistake on it. It actually does not, yeah, it does not say whether or not that was there or not, so... They said they did add some things afterwards to prevent it from happening again. And it might have been a chain thing up in front of it. Geniuses. I think the museum, I think the museum belongs in the Cigar Insane Asylum. That's this fine, is, you could say that. This is. I don't know why the, there's a sneaker there. This is probably the same couple that comes to a, a cigar event and takes my cigars off the table and they go, oh, I thought these were, these were samples for everybody. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Grabbed a lighter, a cutter, a handful of cigars. Do you, do you, I have a question for you, Justin. This is highly uh, out of the ordinary for us, but I'm getting uh, text messages from Matt Booth right now. Do you have like an inside joke with a nickname with him? Oh, man. I was, he's on a different coast, man. I thought this was too early for him to be up 
Let me. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking. He's. I'm telling you. Text after text after text. Man. He's telling me to, to call you your nickname. You, you. You know your intro to the show. You know Italian stallion, honest Abe, Coop the scoop. <laughs> you guys. You guys have some legit. You know nicknames. Me and again, yours? like like not getting mentioned in press releases. I get. <laughs> I had to. I had to explain to to our to my bosses years ago what a hashtag meant on Instagram. <laughs> So my company calls me hashtag because I was the only one that knew anything about social media at the time. And then Matt posted a picture years ago of us at our factory in Honduras, the Hatsa factory. And he said, uh, enjoying a cigar with Fuzzy Wuzzy. And about a month later, <laughs> we're giving a pre some presentations to our, our executive board and our vice president of sales pops up this picture and goes, and next, we're going to have Fuzzy Wuzzy present his uh, his brand <laughs> plans for El Rey de Mundo. And I'm like, oh, God. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Matt calls me Fuzzy Wuzzy. And, and my girlfriend loves it, too. So now, I, you know, who knows? now I'm Fuzzy Wuzzy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling Thank you, maybe 10 text messages from him right now. Thanks, right? Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I, I, I appreciate it. Well, he, I, I have it coming to me when we did, we did a, a cigar show together and I came in and my name was uh, Matt Booth's dad. Uh, so he, 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 he I, I got it coming, I guess. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Yep. Uh, it was, it was awesome having you. We didn't even really get to touch on the diesel brand, which we want to do. So we'll definitely have to have you back one day to talk about that. Uh, as well as and yeah, future projects. Yeah, I didn't even see that. But it was so, in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you get a chance, my new cigar, Diesel Esteli Puro, is uh, is on the market now with uh, with AJ and I. So it's a it's an awesome cigar. All the tobacco is grown in Esteli and rolled in Esteli. So it's the it's the new thing. But yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm always I'm always humbled that you know anybody wants to sit around and listen to what I have to say. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm a big fan of what you guys do. So this is this is great. And and Coop, we're like family now. I, I talk to you quite a bit. So yep, yep, maybe exactly. familiar face there. But no, thank you guys for having me. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I gotta go go buy some uh, NFT uh, artwork and hours <laughs> after we get off here. All right, don't guys. you thank, dare! Thanks everybody. Always a pleasure. We hope everybody has a great weekend out there. Enjoy it. Uh, next week, we'll be back with uh, Kevin Sheehan from Cigar Prop. Cigar Prop. But until then, keep it lit. <laughs>